everybody, and welcome to episode number 35, I believe it is, of Third Man In, brought to you by Head Check Health. I'm Mike Hickey, and I am joined today by... Terry Ryan. Uh, how's it going, TR? Chuck, uh, as anybody who listened last week knows, Chuck's in Montreal this week, uh, having a time, going to, I don't know what kind of clubs and pubs and places he's taken in in the, in the city, uh, but uh, I'm sure he's having a great time. I sent him a few messages, he said he was having a good time, he didn't get specific, but yeah. I mean... Uh, who wouldn't Leafs Habs <laughs> Montreal? You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the winter, because it's pretty much winter now. Yeah. If you're gonna be in the winter in Canada, uh, no better time than or place than Leafs Habs uh, in Montreal. And of course, his streak continues because the Leafs lost like five to two or something. By two goals, I think, or four to two, I think, or maybe, maybe no, maybe it was five. You're right. But either in way, case, either way, the they lost in his his. His streak of seeing the Leafs lose continues. Mm. Um, we're actually pumped because uh, we've got uh, one of our guests uh, that's coming on today is actually somebody whose song has been used as the Leafs goal song, which you didn't hear much of Saturday night. <laughs> but that was also because it was in Montreal, so you wouldn't have heard it anyway. Wow, look but, at the daggers. I know, throwing them out. Coming out. Well, I mean, it's, you know, Bruins won like fucking seven to four or something yesterday. So, like, they came out they came out heavy. So it's easy for me to just be like, ah, Leafs don't get score goals because Chuck's not here to defend them. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Hey, it was a good vibe. I always, you know, since my playing days, and I you're, really... Didn't I see, did I see someone post that, like, the anniversary of your first game was yeah, the other night? It was, yeah. yeah. Six, six, five, two. Like, I... I I honestly couldn't remember the score. You'd figure I would. But I don't recall, like 11 goals that game. I guess uh, th- that was a lot even for, I know people say eras change. Yeah. That was kind of right in the middle of the change. I believe it was 90, uh, would have been 96, I suppose. Yeah, 96, 23 years. Um, and it was against the Legion of Doom, the Philly oh, the Flyers. F- wow. Uh, with Leclerc, Remberg, Recky, or no, Leclerc, Remberg, F, and Leclerc. And Lindros, my yeah. God, my God! Well, of course, Reggie did play in Philly, but not during then. He was on my team, yeah, for he, God's sake. He was on, yeah, because the, the um, whole story of, you yeah. know, roof and well, exactly, <laughs> and the various things. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to read the book. There you go. That nice plug. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it didn't seem like twenty three years ago, of course, but uh, it was a great time. I remember the night before. I didn't I had no idea I was going to play. Man, it was in the morning. Someone because I was there. I made the team at the beginning of the year, 96, 97. And if you'll notice, at the end of the year, I went back to Red Deer, but it wasn't until February, the trade deadline. If Had I stayed in Tri-Cities, nothing against them. They were in last place. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Habs, you know, agreed to have me up there all year and practicing. And while it was uh, very beneficial, in a lot of ways, I mean, it, it really was. I just wasn't expected to play that much. And if you look, I only played three games. I was there till February, and I did. I was going through the tail end of a concussion at the beginning of the year. But regardless, I got into a few games, and that first one I had no idea. So Sheldon Surrey came up. I remember he drove up with his buddy Eric Bertrand. Uh, and they honestly, Sheldon had heard I was on the team. He had heard on the radio that I was playing. He was in New Jersey. He was just in, I think he yeah. was in Albany. Okay. He was part of the Devils organization. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happened, Sheldon got up there or he knew Lyle Odelai, something. I can't remember what it was, but he knew before I knew. Because he came up and we we're going to have dinner and everything together. And he said, No, I said, I mean, he, I came up to see you because you're in the lineup tomorrow. I'm going to watch. Which is also cool, right? Yeah, Sheldon, yeah, no, it's a, a guest. I don't know too many people doing that. Like he, he was in the AHL, he drove to Montreal. 
I said, no way. So I, I, I can't remember, but there was something there. It wasn't malicious on the Canadians' part. They just hadn't, uh, I, I, you know, they, they couldn't track me down. I, I don't believe I had my cell phone. You could be texting or whatever. Yeah. And like I said, it was the night before. So I wasn't, it's not like I was going to get shit-faced. I was yeah. at, uh, we, were, we, went, we were going for a bite to eat at a place, Weinstein and Gavino. I've mentioned that before. Yeah, I've heard uh, you talk yeah. about that place. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I, it's, I, I just really enjoy it there. And um, that was it. And the next morning I went down, and sure enough, Jacques LaPerriere, who was there at the time, said, uh, I believe it was Benoit Brunet at the time. They called him Benoit the Brittle. Very, very good player, but he was always injured, man. He was always injured. So anyway, I got into my first game, and uh, I didn't, Later in my career, I, I had some games that I just sat on the bench the whole time. I, I, I kind of expected that to happen, but I played fairly regular, to be honest. And I remember Lindros hitting me in the corner, and or Lindros, depending on the way you pronounce it. And uh, I just I just can't explain. Like he was just so big. It was one thing for, to like expect a hit from Scott Stevens or, you know, a big Ken Danico, say on Jersey or Sheldon or. or uh, you know, whoever it may be at the time, Brian mm-hmm. Marchment, I don't know. Go around the league, there was lots of big D that, that hit. Um, but Lindros was just like, he was so big. Well, he is so big. And it's like he was skating in full force. Like, it, it was just hard in the corner. Because, you know, sometimes, like, you're, you're playing a corner game and, you know, you're, you're trying to grind it out. But he, but he was almost like he was in full flight a lot of the time that he was in the offensive zone and not in a Mario Lemieux way trying to dangle. He was just skating around, man, like Ovechkin does a lot of the time. And if mm-hmm. you got your head down, he's going to hammer you and he's going to take the puck. And while Ovechkin, I'll say, is like, you know, you can't argue with him. Mean, you, you got to say he's one of the best scorers of all time. You can make an argument for the best. I don't know if I would quite yet. But but with Lindros, it, it, it was more of a power forward thing. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's any better of a scorer than Ovechkin. In, in, quite a, in fact, I'm not saying that at all. But... Um, if there's, I didn't play against Ovechkin, but just by, but you know, he was just really imposing in the in the offensive zone when when Lindros was there, man. And then you got Leclerc and Renberg who were huge too. So I just remember that being a huge eye opener. I know I'm talking a lot about it, but oh, man. man. And by the way, by the way, yeah, I was just gonna say, how did it go last week? I didn't curse, right? You didn't, no. Okay, I didn't curse. And so. I haven't heard from we 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 threw it out to everybody on Twitter. Yeah. I've already got one in. I've on, heard a few people. Episode. My buddies said I didn't, but you know they didn't listen. To, uh, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, we threw it out because uh, Chuck had t- ticked one off during the course of it, but we don't know if that was just like his pen. It was kind of yeah, moving because I didn't it, remember it you was pen kind of moving. Yes, it kind of was like that. <laughs> and and so yeah, I didn't. I don't remember one through through the interview. You didn't. Chuck said he tracked one, but couldn't remember pinpoint where it happened. We said online for people to listen i, I did so i, I got a little feedback i put, I put a little i didn't clip get up. any real feedback like the feedback yes okay people were like well no, I, I don't think you cursed or whatever but that yeah. and that was the goal yeah. but like should i curse should i should i be because i was just going to drop an f-bomb so yeah. now i'm thinking like should i like i feel like an alcoholic who's been off the booze for a couple of weeks like should i <laughs> because you know what i mean i can just open the floodgates and let her go i i think i'm i think you know what? It's a podcast. I'll curse yeah. once in a while. Yeah. I'm just going to make a and for no other reason. I, you know what? Do you know the only reason that I'm I'm cutting down on cursing? Do you honestly know? Because um, you're you've got a nine year old daughter and you're true. Be trying to be more aware of what you say that's in front a, of her. That's a great, great guess. But no, there's <laughs> no. too much out there. There's too much out there. She's gonna. I'm just. I just start that already. Daddy's. You know. She knows. Yeah. All right. Daddy's. You know. Like that. There. I. I tell her it's a character. She knows I'm an actor. 
So I try to tell her, I said, when I'm on the radio, because I do curse more on here. I'm, not, I'm not at home going like, Penny Lane, get the fuck down here. Not at all. Never. But I, Okay, then if it's not that, I would guess it's that uh, knowing that you do some more public speaking gigs, uh, knowing you do a bit other of other God, radio that's stuff. That's another and all. great point. Yeah, it was just to try to train yourself out of subconsciously. You are my moral out. conscience yeah. here. Um, to try to train myself out true, true enough. But also not that. And subconscious, <laughs> no, that, but that's a great idea. <laughs> That's a great thing because, yeah, well, you're right. It, it's the, the reason is because I ran into an old teacher of mine, and I felt bad. <laughs> Honestly. And That's I, all it was? Yeah, like sometimes oh, or like friends of my parents or like my relatives or like I'll see someone at the, the, grocery, the grocery store, and I'll just go like, oh, my God. Hey, hey Terry, like really kind of dug that Ryan Anderson episode, and I'm going, oh, my God, what I didn't talk about. The words coming out of my mouth. Oh, man, it yeah. was bad enough anyway. And then describing Aaron Asham with getting a gun pulled on us and a knife. Those those stories are crazy enough, right? Yeah. Uh, or, uh, you know, but I'm just swearing like a say Well, worse uh, when it's on there. So, uh, you know what? Give me some feedback. Let me know. I mean, no one should really care. But, yeah, you're you're right. It's on my conscience a little bit. Sometimes I go home. And I'll smoke a joint and, and relax at the end of the night. And I got this great weed moonbeam now. I, lo I love that you can just pick whatever. Because back in the day, it was just like, get weed. Hopefully this stuff makes me feel good. But I get anxiety. It's really the only reason I do it. Not the only reason now. I'm sure at night it doesn't hurt when I'm watching Hell on Wheels or something to be a little bit <laughs> stoned. But the, the, that's the reason that I even got into it in the first place. And yeah. so now more what I do is CBD. Again, I do get stoned if I go to a movie or there are, like, you know, during the day I'm working, I can't remember How shit can if I'm stoned. How can you afford to get the munchies at a movie? What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, and that's a little throwback to a couple weeks ago for everybody listening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. we don't want to dig in on that What again. episode was that, Ryan Anderson? One? I think it was the Anderson one, yeah. Chuck go. wasn't here for it. Tune into the beginning if you want to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But anyway, that's it. It's, it's sometimes, and then, you know, anyway, so in that moment... And the moon meme will relax me about everything, but sometimes things come to my mind that are, like, legit. Like, you know, like, I've, I've smoked certain kinds of weed, and you'll get, like, paranoid because, like, oh, my God, like, you know, something's in the closet. Or there's nothing, like, <laughs> that might be a little bit much on weed, but, you know, I don't freak myself out. It's all legit stuff, and I'll, I'll think, and it, it, it's fairly logical. I don't think there's a whole lot of THC in it. Whatever it is, it calms me down. But it starts, gets me thinking. I'm like, you know, like, I probably let go. 50 f-bombs today like you know and there are and then i'll just think of like my old teacher miss kenny and oh hi terry how are you your podcast is doing really well i'm really proud of you and then like she turned it on and i'm just talking about the most raunchy ridiculous stuff yeah. now i try to stay away from the crude the raunchy you know sex drugs and rock and roll we talk about it but um you know uh the raunchies that that's a whole flavor and a theme i try yeah. to stay away as best i can but I don't know, man. It's, it's you know what I get talking like it's a dressing room. That's yeah. what it is. And in a dressing room, I'm just and you know what awful. I think. Yeah, and I think it's that sort of thing. I mean, when you listen to a podcast, um, that's kind of what you're going for is you're listening and to be part of. You kind of feel like it's kind yeah. of a, a feeling of inclusion. You feel like you're a bit of an insider into what's happening. And people have said that to me about our show and have okay, said good. that you know part of what they like is that they feel like you know they're just in a locker room or wherever, and and it's got that vibe. And so. I think for that reason, other than 
you know, if, if you're not censoring yourself because you're trying to like train yourself from, from saying it for, uh, because of other things you're doing, or you're not yeah. doing it because of, of your daughter or, and, and just being afraid of whatever, like if you're just doing it for the sake of censoring yourself, I'd say, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah um, and sometimes it is, it, it, sometimes it's me being a bit extra, what's the word careful or just that. Yeah. I'm thinking about the mass. I am thinking about like the 2% of people that are going to go, man, I, I, I'm thinking like I'm 11 years old and my parents have never heard me, heard me, heard me swear. But now that being said, give me yeah. some feedback. If you think I swear too much, let me know. Yeah. Um, or too little, let me know in the last <laughs> two episodes. And, uh, and for me, it's just like for me last week, it was kind of that experiment. It was it was more of the latter that we were talking about of just like, you know, there's other stuff that I do that isn't this that I need to at, like as a presenter or interviewer. I'm trying to present myself in a bit of a different way that I don't have that as part of my common lexicon. So I just want to make sure that when I need to turn it off, I can turn it off. And so that's kind of why I joined you in trying not to swear last week. Uh you know, fair enough, and uh, now we've tackled that. I have got one thing to say <laughs> before we get our great guest, and uh, once again, uh, off the beaten path. I'm surprised to get him, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, I got a couple just things that were on my mind. I sent myself a note. Cool. Um, one has nothing to do with hockey, but I got to say it. All right. Why do I keep hearing this bullshit that no two f- snowflakes are the same? How the fuck do you know? You know what I mean? How the fuck do you know? Even if you're a scientist, what are you talking about? There's eight billion pieces of snow that fall every second when it's snowing in the world. You're telling me that this piece here that falls in Twillingate, Newfoundland can't possibly, possibly be the same as a piece that fall fell in the mountains of Tibet. Like, there's more snowflakes than there are stars in the sky. Like, who the fuck are you to tell me? <laughs> that each one of these little tiny minuscule fucking snowflakes can't be the same. I just find it bullshit. I find it very, very presumptuous. <laughs> and uh, I don't believe that it's real. No, I don't. Like um, they say, you know, a million monkeys in a room will make a script at some point or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't believe that many snowflakes have fallen in this point of human existence on <laughs> Earth. There was at one point an actual nope. age of ice. Yeah, <laughs> an age of ice. Yeah. And it goes back further. I said human existence. Yeah. Human existence has nothing to do with it. That's just the, you're 10,000 years civilized or 200,000 years, no matter way, what way you're looking at it. And we've been around here, what, for uh, billions? And yeah. there hasn't been 70, two uh, fucking snowflakes that are the same. Give I, me a, give I me saw a thing today, a actually. It's, I think it's 700,000 or 70,000. I can't remember the exact number. But uh, they found apparently where... Homo sapien, like the modern man, originated. It's a spot in Botswana. Uh, apparently, they've traced back the earliest DNA We're, of Homo sapien to there. So okay, 70-ish, seventy-ish thousand years. Seventy-ish. So, yeah. and around two hundred thousand, it was like Neanderthals and yeah, things yeah, were yeah. close to Homo sapiens. And then yeah. I believe ten thousand years ago was the agricultural rev- revolution. The way I understand it, I'm reading a book now, by the way, called Sapiens. I, I only take a snippet out and read it. I'm, I'm just going to read it over and over and over and yeah. over. So I say I'm reading it, but it's probably been five years. Because these are facts that I just find fascinating. I just mm-hmm. can't wrap my head around it. But in yeah, around like 70,000, what you're saying, there was a cognitive revolution. And I guess you could say that led to us being conscious of, for lack of a better way to explain it, you know, we're conscious, we make... You know, when, when, when humans' brains grew and, you know, we started thinking, um, you know, we're the only species that... You know, if I was to come across you 50,000 years ago, mm-hmm. now you're a human, I'm a human. We might be from dis- different pride or tribes, mm-hmm. right? But we'll see a lion there. 
and you'll sneak up. Now, if I see you going, I might make a hand signal to you. Shh, shh, shh. We might work together to kill that lion. So we can, even though we've never met each other before, mm-hmm. right? We're from, and, and humans started to do that. And then, of course, tribes. Not that there was no war. There always has been. Humans are always going to want to slit each other's throats. How's that? Even now, we're going to enjoy the joys of killing. But anyway, I, I just find it all interesting how how all that started, and then the agricultural revolution. And to be honest, this is what I'm reading about now. The agricultural revolution, say, 10,000 years ago, and that's mm-hmm. obvious, like people started farming and, you know, where they could stay in one place instead of nomads, foragers like they were before that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So the guy writing this book makes a good point. And he's like, were, were they any better off? You, you just assume that everybody's happier, right? Mm-hmm. He said it wasn't the case. Like when they're domesticated, they're, they're really the only thing is cured was laziness but like there was more disease right because you're Mm -hmm. for for, you know sedentary whatever the word is you know you're you're making so one thing a A, you might pat if you just have something you might pass it around Mm -hmm. b you're all eating and drinking the same stuff Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden disease became way more of a thing Mm -hmm. um all of a sudden hierarchy started oh yeah well i'm the farmer and you're gonna fucking do it you slave Mm-hmm. But before that, there was no. It was just cooperation and moving, and yeah, you know, it was more communal. Yeah, and, it was and, more communal. So, yeah. like, what's better, one versus the other? Now that that led to us now, which everybody would say, "Oh my God, that's way better." Obviously, I'm driving around a fucking car, going down and going to have a craft. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm swearing now. It's, uh, but anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to drive a craft beer. You know, I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to hit my hot tub later. You know, may, maybe if we save up enough money in a month, yeah. we might be able to go up and watch a Leafs game or whatever. Yeah. What's Leafs? Oh, they're just entertaining, skating around the ice, getting paid more than anybody on earth. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, that, who's that guy? He's singing yeah. a song. He's the most famous person on earth. Um, so that all sounds great, right? Private yeah. jets and everything. But we might just lead to our own destruction here. Yeah. Right? That, that's very, so what's better? Right? You, you, right now, of course, in every philosophy class in North America, they're talking about this, but I just find it often, the, the little bits that make up that whole argument, I find really interesting. Um, it is, and it is, and, it, and it's kind of hard to track down and pinpoint, and there's so many different you know, um, ways to look at the whole thing, and I will just be clear um, that I was wrong. It was 200,000 years ago, but the area sustained life for 70,000 years. There you go. Um, and it, it's in Botswana, but it's also, uh, it's also the region is also in part in Namibia, Namibia, I think is how you pronounce that. I always get it wrong. It's Zimbabwe. And, uh, it's at the, uh, it's a wetland south of the Zambezi river. But apparently this is posted like two hours ago. Like but this the is, reason this for was, that, <laughs> this is breaking news. We found out where humans came Imagine, from 200,000 yeah, yeah. years ago, but it's breaking news because right everything now. is breaking news. right. By now. the way, remember that podcast I was telling you about coffee and yeah, where, yeah. Uh, how it began, I think. Yeah. It's on the. Uh, I, know it's I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but yeah. How it began? No, it's Brad. Uh, any, anyway, check it out. Like I said, they're a package. It's it, he, he's still got podcasts going. They're called Context. Well, he I think one of the contexts or one of those how it began mm-hmm. gets right into that. And the reason for that mm-hmm. is because they had more. They they had all they had like most of the grains on Earth needed. To, they had a lot of water, mm-hmm. and they had most of the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, North America wasn't the case. Like yeah. they, they, they brought it, like there was no corn in North America. Yeah. Now you can walk two miles and not have an, any other, come across any other plant, mm-hmm. right? So clearly the, we use it over here, but originally, in fact, originally there was... Well, it wasn't corn what? with South America though, wasn't it? Just not North America. Well, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it wasn't yeah. in North America. Yeah, no, sorry. no, it was... It was yeah. South you, America, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they all had different... Like, say, I don't know, the different kinds. There's, you know, there's yeah. barley and there's certain grains and there's corn and then you get like you know you had all your animals the domesticated mm-hmm. animals were there mm-hmm. so even though they are and they ended up what you think of like the wild west and people like having farms and all, it, it, because they took them there but mm-hmm. like um or most of this i mean there were animals in north america but way way back before you know i'm, I'm going like ten thousand years ago yeah. they killed most of those off the first wave of humans killed off like there was like 200 big mammals type things in North America and most of them got killed off. Just the first wave of everything. <laughs> Humans just wiped out everything, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was an, an extension of that when I played in Tri-Cities in 1996. <laughs> By extension the, of that, when I was in Tri-Cities. Yeah, Kennewick Man. Have you ever heard of Kennewick Man? <laughs> it's one of the bog people, right? I was. The Kennewick Man, we were at the uh, boat races in Tri-Cities. It's yeah. like, you know, an, a yearly event. And uh, I was in my archaeology class in Mundu a few years ago and we and this came up and I was like are you kidding me I was there we were there for the boat races and some guy found this dead body man yeah and it was, everybody it was started discovered freaking July out 28th 1996 yeah, so we were like who is it who is it who? we thought that like it was some local you thought it was and like, then, a, like yeah, a murder or something but what they found that was on the Columbia River so it gave proof that the first proof now there's a few Kennewick mm. men and women found but the first proof where it was that people had crossed Alaska to come or cross Russia to come over to Alaska yeah. back in the day when it opened up a little bit, and then they took that route downwards. So it proved, uh, and it also, I think it's dated at the time. It was dated the oldest skeleton or one of the oldest skeletons in all of North America. Well, I guess one leads. Into yeah, the it's other. nine thousand years old. Anyway, dude, we were right there. That's so, so cool. I happened to be in my archaeology yeah. class. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine that? This was like say seven years ago. I was sitting in there. It was one of those uh, general elective courses that I needed to graduate. So mm. I went and I said, archaeology would be all right. And our prof starts talking about Kennewick. Man, I stood up. I said, you're not going to believe this shit. I, I was there. Like, imagine me saying yeah. that twen- almost 20 years later um, in a different continent. Couldn't be any further away. Yeah, than, you know, other talking, side of the this, continent. This yeah, was yeah. out by Seattle. Yeah. And the guy's going, no way. And I said, you, you're not going to believe this. I lived in Kennewick. I had no idea what you were going to talk about today. Yeah, I, Fucking crazy, is it? Anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, Kennewick Man was the, according to the Wikipedia page, which was the quickest thing. Sometime which I know in the not middle always, of summer '96. It was. Uh, it was found by Will Thomas and David DC, who were attending the annual hydroplane races on July 28, 1996, <laughs> and found a skull in the river of reservoir of the Columbia River in Columbia Park in Kennewick, Washington. Exactly. The remains had become exposed due to erosion and had been scattered by water forces in the reservoir. About five minutes from Toyota Center, where we played. That is cracked. I know it is cracked. Now there was a link. Usually there's not. Yeah, no, Usually that was say, actually. Which brings I, me. To- I thought you were like, <laughs> no. and I actually called you on it. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. No. There's gonna be some. Sort- <laughs> okay, Stevie's <laughs> waiting. We gotta give him a call. Oh, anyway, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I cut you off. But yes, <laughs> it is mad. We'll talk about it another day. Yeah. And I've got friends that are gonna come on this show that were there with me. That so is So we'll package wild. that up and we'll remember that we talked about it. We'll do but- a whole special at some point about the Getaway Man. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, we're gonna take a quick second to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with our guest Steve Kylie from Monster Truck, right here on Third Man In, brought to you by Head Check Health. Concussions are serious business. 
Concussions and post-concussion syndrome had a huge effect on my career. Whether you're a player, a concerned parent, a coach, a risk manager, or an executive, they're a major area of concern. HeadCheck Health has developed software and services that improve the way concussions are assessed, tracked, and managed at all levels of sport. Their goal is to create a safer environment of play by giving better tools to the individuals responsible for documenting and assessing concussions and providing better data to administrators to make real health and safety improvements. HeadCheck currently works works with organizations across the country like the Canadian Junior Hockey League, BC Hockey, Rugby Ontario, the Western Lacrosse Association, and more to advance their concussion management practices. If you're interested in learning more how HeadCheck can help your team or organization, please visit HeadCheckHealth.com or email info at HeadCheckHealth.com. That's HeadCheckHealth.com or info at HeadCheckHealth.com and tell them TR sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is a native of Hamilton, Ontario, and is the drummer for Canadian legendary hard rockers, monster truck he is a bodacious beat keeper a talented traveler a rambunctious rocker a blissful bandmate a passionate performer a patient podcaster a ferocious fan a marvelous magician he is the kid on the street that keeps the beats a nice percussionist and great discussionist or we wouldn't have him on under his bucket, there once stood a mullet. When he was three, he loved MTV. If you happen to be with him, he might play you a rhythm. To our amazement, he visited, visited Senior's basement. Better with a drumstick than most people from New Brunswick. He doesn't want to play. He wants to bang the drum all day using his hands and his feet. This man can certainly keep a beat. And unlike Roseanne Barr, this dude's a rock star. Now enough, ta- enough talk, please. It's time to shoot the breeze with... My good friend, Steve Kiley of Monster Truck. How are you, buddy? Hey, Steve. Wow, great. Your intros are legendary. <laughs> well, yeah, I only thought of this recently. Uh, oh, halfway man. through, uh, I started doing that. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. I, I, cause I, I listen, obviously, and I, I, I got, I, I'm not going to lie. I was thinking, wondering, hmm, what's my intro going to be like? They <laughs> <laughs> kept popping in that, my head at work today. <laughs> oh, man, perfect. At, at some point, uh, I want to come on as a guest just to have him do one for me, just to see what he says. Oh, it, it's worth it. It is so worth it. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Now you got that. I, wa- I want to right. hear that um, before one of your shows one of these days. Maybe that's what I'll it, do. It, maybe I'll maybe introduce I'll, you guys. Maybe I'll re-record it backwards and put it at the end of one of our albums like the Beatles did. Wow. Oh, you wow. know what? Fantastic points right off the bat for Steve Collins. <laughs> Write that down. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the stem of just TR just. Okay. Per- <laughs> that's perfect. Please right. do. I will. I will. <laughs> Okay, now we're going to get right into it. A lot of people that came across Monster Truck, like myself, probably would have done it in the early 2010s from the NHL um, EA Sports hockey game. I had it on PS4. So just just to give people an idea if they don't know, now Monster Truck are fairly popular and had a. I saw you guys twice in the last couple months, both times you were in Newfoundland. Yeah. Club one, and then yeah, down our, to the down to the tent. It was unbelievable. Um, you, you've seen us one hundred percent of the times we played in Newfoundland. <laughs> That's wild. I hope you're back soon because yeah. people loved it. Oh and, yeah, um, we will be. Yeah. I I just kind of wanted to get you know so we'll get into the hockey and and you know there's there's a big hockey affiliation with the Leafs as well but I want to get right back. So you guys as a band started in 2010 or 2011 around there, right? Well, you know what? We, we've been saying over the last, uh, uh, well, since kind of the spring, that we've been 10 years as a band now. So we, 
I mean, you're always a band for a little bit of time before people get to know who you are, right? So, yeah. so we, so we, we kind of first jammed together as a band ten years ago, uh, this spring that just passed. So, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, we're in and around okay. there. Okay, no, but every year makes a difference here, uh, Stevie. So, yeah, before yeah, totally. that, now. You know, what was your, I mean, I knew you grew, I grew up in Hamilton, and we talked a little bit about yep. it when you visited my dad's basement, and we'll get into that yeah. a little bit later. But your your upbringing now, were all you guys coming up in Hamilton? And if so, even if not so, when did you get into music, like at a young, young age? Well, I, I, uh, I grew up in Dundas, Ontario, which is kind of like a suburb just mm. to the west of the city. Um, born and raised there, uh, I was the oldest of five kids. Um, uh, and actually the, the first, um, kind of passion that I had and same with all of my family was sports really. Um, as you know, a lot of Canadian kids get into that and, and I, I was really big into soccer growing up and, and, uh, you know, all, all the typical sports that, that kids kind of play. And, and I, I, I never took it too far. Um, I, I, I guess the furthest I took anything was I, I, I played football in university. Wow. And then, yeah, yeah, I, I went to one, uh, one year, um, of university at McMaster here in Hamilton where my dad graduated and, um, from hats off senior. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Fellow alumni. Well, actually I didn't graduate, but I was still here. Still. Yeah. That's something yeah, that, no, you, you know, that's more, that's yeah, a commitment. You, you, you know, I, I was like a freshman that just redshirted the whole year, but it was it was quite an experience to play sports at that level. You know, because it really takes on a life of its own. You know, when you play it at that level, as opposed to a kid playing things growing up. You know, well, it becomes like, a, uh, a responsibility and a commitment. You know, and you're, you're all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you so well, well, that yeah, says yeah, a lot. That, that that's why I only went to one year of university is because I at the end of the year I kind of realized I was going there to play football and that's that's an awful lot of money to spend to go and play football and not really focus on studies you know yeah so um yeah but but, uh, you 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 needed the experience to know that about yourself definitely definitely and and it it taught me invaluable lessons about teamwork you know uh football is a football is an incredible team sport um yeah you know you really uh you really feel like you're going out to, to to war with your brothers you know it's similar to a hockey kind of vibe you know Totally. Um, and, uh, but, um, yeah, it, it, sports was kind of a thing until it, it, I turned about 20. Uh, but and now that being said, my parents made all of us take piano lessons starting at about five or six years old. Smart decision. Um, and, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, I hated it at the time. I really did. We had to, we had to practice for half an hour after dinner every night. Uh, you know, we had lessons once a week at Mrs. Puskas's place or, uh, <laughs> Her old, her old dingy basement and in Dundas, where you know it, it, it just was a real chore back then. But man, am I really glad that they, uh, they kind of put us through that. Uh, they, they, they kind of said, if you know, if you can take it to a, to a grade six level, which is that that's fairly high in, uh, in terms of the music conservatory. Yeah. Um. Then, then you, then you can choose to continue on your own or quit. And I, at that time, I, I, I quit, and that was it for music for me for a while. But. Uh, but it was it laid a great foundation. Yeah, I mean, I for me growing up, I I started piano lessons around the same time, around five or so. But there was like I remember there was a thing 
where my mom thought that the lessons were an hour and they were a half hour. And then there was this big racket with the piano teacher over how much she was paying for how long I was there. And so were you I on ended, the pip. Yeah. Were you on the pip of piano lessons. I just, I just, I just remember it being a thing and it was like this big racket about uh, like how long the lessons were supposed to be or whatever. And there was a big disagreement. And then I got out of piano lessons because of it. And then we were going to find another piano teacher and just never did. And now I, all I can never do is play like, Hot cross buns and a little and bit of chopsticks. A little and, bit of London. Yeah. I, I can pull off some London calling. Like I can do that one. Oh and, wow! But that's like you know two chords. So that's kind of it. Yeah. As soon as I yeah. bring in the bass yeah. line, everything goes to shit. But you, you know what's oh, funny? Yeah. I keep trying, guys. I got so much to do, and I'm so busy though. But the guitar, actually, the guitar lessons I tried mm-hmm. were I, I bought a game called Rockstar. Actually, and these mm-hmm. guys were on it. Yeah. I, I forget what Rock game. Smith. Oh, Rocksmith. That's yeah. it. That's it. That, that was an that option. That was that for a segue. That was about five or six years ago. It would have been five. Yeah, it was Rocksmith 2014. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because, you know, my buddies and I, senior hockey, we'd go over to someone's place and when I played for the Cornerbrook Royals. And Roger Maxwell, shout out. We, we used to, Roger Maxwell, and his, we used to call his place the Maxi Pad. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was great. So, um, but we would go over there and play that. Uh, what, what, what was the game before that? The rock star. There was right? rock band, and there rock was band. there was rock band, and there was guitar hero. But rock guitar Smith, hero, yeah. But rock smith was actually designed the, to be more of a like a well, teaching it, tool but it was to an actually actual teach guitar. you how to play guitar. Yeah, yeah. That's why I get into it. I was yeah. playing the, the other one. I was hitting like blue, hit, hit yeah, green, yeah. hit the note, and you're not learning anything. I'm like, I might as well learn to play. Yeah, it was. That, the, that was the big complaint about that one, right? It's like this isn't a freaking guitar, you know? Yeah, it was. Well, that's the thing is is the only instrument you could kind of learn how to play from rock band was you could kind of learn about sustaining notes for singing and the drums sort of, you know, but that was still, well, you know, like, cause it was, that was the only one where like and, and, you were literally well, just well, hitting the, the, a drum. <laughs> totally. Totally. The, 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 the funny story about that game, when we were recording curiosity, our first full length album, we went down to North Carolina and we, we stayed at, at the, the studio for a month. And in the lounge, not everyone's working at the same time when you're doing an album, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, your yeah. guys are doing their guitar parts, their solos, their, you know. So there's a lounge in the basement that had, uh, it was right when Guitar Hero came out. And um, I destroyed everyone at it because those old guitar, like the Guitar Hero guitars with the buttons and that little twig that you kind of yeah. flick with your finger, yeah. you know, that, that, that those movements actually are more suited to drummers who have like kind of more independent movement uh, and tapping. You know what I mean? No so, way. So yeah, no, more of a percussion instrument. Yeah. yeah where, where, whereas the, the, the Jer, the guitar player in the band, he was horrible at it because he wanted to play how you would play on guitar. And, you know, it's just impossible when there's four buttons as opposed to six strings, you True. know? So I, I, I cleaned up on that game back then. But yeah. uh, then, as soon as, as soon as Rocksmith came out and our song was on it, then I was I was hopeless by then. <laughs> I didn't realize how advanced that Rocksmith was. Like advanced in bed, it's a real guitar. But um, that's yeah. what I, so Penny Lane. What was that? 2014. She was four. That's what I bought her for a birthday, and I just kept it. <laughs> awesome. Here, here, by the way, here's a brand new electric guitar and a whole <laughs> a whole lot of classic rock songs for you to play with it. <laughs> yeah. Come back to Teletubbies. <laughs> Anyway, I got her something else the next week. I felt bad. I didn't realize it was so advanced. But um, in any case, how did that happen? How did you guys get on that game? Like, does someone on your, Um, does someone in there have a a video game hookup? It must be the case. You guys get chosen. Well, go ahead. Well, it's no secret that that uh, Jer is a is a video game like nut. Like he often will 
play, you know, online. He'll he'll just kind of post on our Facebook or something like, "Hey, Jared wants to play someone in whatever game at seven o'clock," you know, and then people will, you know, play against him. And and oh, I'm, uh, I'm he, definitely he, joining this thunder. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his name is Mustard SG, I believe. He plays Xbox, <laughs> but um, right uh, yeah. It, there, there's also you know a part of our team uh, uh, with our uh, record label is you know a, a team that seats out. Uh, you know, placements like that for our songs. Um, and and I, I think the fact that we were, that Jer is so into video games and vocal about it, since the beginning of the band, he's been saying, our songs are perfect for video games. You know, you got to push them into video games. And so I, I think they've been pushed maybe a little harder than any normal band's material would be pushed because of that. But uh, yeah, it's been a big part of um, uh, people getting to know who we are. And video yeah, games in general and yeah and how you how have you guys found that for growth because i mean obviously like the music industry has changed so much so drastically over the last say 25 years especially um but do you find that being present in like video games has kind of given you guys a bit of a grassroots thing that you wouldn't normally have been able to get yeah like being in uh in nhl was probably the biggest thing mm-hmm. uh the nhl games uh, i think the first one we were in, I think, was thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then I know we've been in a couple since then. I'm I'm probably the least into video games out of the band, so I'm pretty clueless on that front in terms of which ones. But I know, I know that we uh, our song was uh, definitely one of the ones kind of used in the playlist within the game on a couple of them. And and we've and our our song we've had a couple of uh, Canadian teams in the league use our songs for goal songs uh, yeah, as well. So yeah, the Leafs and the Flames actually the used Flames righteous did too. smoke. Did they, the Enforcer, right? I heard the Enforcer. I no, no, it. they 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 actually used righteous smoke. And yeah, which so is funny that, because because the, they, uh, they, they because their goal song is a song about weed, you know, <laughs> which is oh pretty pretty awesome. I, I don't know if they knew that. Uh, but, <laughs> no, know. I'd say they just took it because Righteous Smoke is out. It, it, that's one of the ones that's on those video games. By yeah, the way, if in, you don't know, NHL ninety yeah. or seventeen, yeah, right. So, um, so that that must have been the reasoning on there, yeah. And well, it's smoke, and where there's smoke, there's fire, and then the flames, and it's kind of a whole thing, I guess. And they, well, yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 that gave us kind of like a double in on the game because we we had our songs as goal songs as well. So okay. you know, you could hear you could hear one song on the soundtrack, and then if the flames score, you'd hear righteous smoke play. You know, and it was uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And is it is this something that like that kind of um world of being involved in like NHL 13 and NHL 17 and, and being goal songs. Is that something that's kind of affected your songwriting? Are you guys as a group kind of being like aware of trying to write those like anthemic hockey songs now? Like is, well, uh, you know what? Jer, Jer, Jer always tries to write one, a record okay. like that. The, the, the enforcer was kind of like, uh, was kind of, uh, one of his, uh, brainchilds that, uh, was, right from the get-go written with the full intention of being he wanted it to be a hockey song and he he dreamed of it you know being used as you know in a hockey game just sounding good in an arena you know like we almost when that we almost kind of made the, the the tempo of that song and the and the way the drum beat happens kind of uh you know we, we wanted it to be optimal sounding in an arena at a hockey game and uh so yeah, sometimes the, sometimes those songs make the album. Sometimes they don't make the album because there's, you know, it, it just it, it when it comes down to you know split decisions sometimes on yeah. what makes an album and what doesn't. You know, 
so uh, that one that one uh, made it obviously the on true rocker. We didn't really have our uh, arena rocker anthem, uh, but this next song coming up, we've already got uh, one kind of that we're going to get going on uh, next week. That is a potential uh, another arena rocker. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, I think that's a great strategy. Keep the fans happy. Now, did you guys? When did you find out the enforcer was going to be used at Leafs games after goals? I don't know how long it was. I just remember hearing it a few times. We we um oh we we it was like the, how how did I feel when we found out? Yeah, I mean, like when did you find did out I, that? I mean, that's a huge well, thing. I mean, uh, you know, oh, the it, NHL. It, I guess the, the the video game goes all over the world. But if you're gonna be a goal song for a team, the Leafs. Oh yeah, well uh-huh. yeah, and and I mean, me and uh, me and Marv, our singer, are you know diehard Leaf fans. Uh, you know, we bleed blue, and that was like one of the most incredible. Uh, you know, that was one of the most incredible things to hear that that uh, they were going to use that as a goal song. They actually, before the season, they uh, they asked if it's okay if they insert the Go Leafs Go chant in the chorus because that, that's the, the, when they play the goal song. There's the they inserted the Go Leafs Go chant in um, kind of like the the, the whoa the chant part. So yeah, we yeah. were like, you do whatever you do whatever you want. You're the Leafs, and we love you. you know? <laughs> Yeah. So that was uh, that was pretty. Are you uh, all? Is incredible. all four guys hockey? That was I was going to ask that. Are the other guys into hockey? I know you are. We get into that after. But yeah, J- uh, me and Marv and Jer are. Uh, Jer's a Habs fan, uh, unfortunately, but uh, it makes for some good. Uh, it, it makes for some good uh, hockey banter. Uh, but uh, and uh, Brando, he. I mean, he likes hockey. He doesn't follow it nearly as closely as as me, uh, Marv, and Jer. Like we're you know we're hockey pool guys that you know like. You know, every morning, you know, we talk about the the latest, you know, hockey news. Like, oh, you hear this guy got traded. You hear this guy got a hat trick. Blah blah blah. You know, it's it's uh, we're we're hockey nuts. Yeah. That's the way to do it. I find if you get in hockey pools or you play pro line, that's the way to learn about uh, quickly about everybody in the league, right? Yeah, <laughs> you become a huge oh yeah right it, off the bat. Yeah, I've only been playing in hockey pools for this maybe my third season, and at, at the start, I was like, I I can't play in a pool. I don't know. I don't know enough about hockey, and my buddies are like, uh, well, you know a lot just, about start, hockey. just start playing. Well, they're just like, just start yeah. playing in the pool, and you'll have no choice to know a lot about hockey, you know? How, how so you it's, f- uh, oh, sorry, can, you can go on. I didn't mean no, 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 I was, no, no, you, you, know, you go ahead. You I was go just going to ask, is if, if Brando is not as into hockey as you guys, is it something that, like, when you're touring, if you're on the bus or you're wherever, is it is it something that um, – you guys are keeping up on that way because I know we've had um, a guest on in the past. Actually, it was uh, when Jim Cuddy was on the show. He was talking about they don't watch hockey in the in the tour bus or on the van or in the van anymore because it kind of like splits up the group a little bit. So is that something you guys are still doing, or was it ever something you were doing? We we hundred percent do it. It it, uh, it there's enough other stuff going on that uh, that Brando definitely doesn't feel left out when okay. we're all huddled around uh, when we're huddled around the the laptop in the dressing room or on the bus, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, we, we all like the, one of the tough parts about touring Europe and UK so much, which is where we spend most of our year is, uh, you know, the games are on at like two, three in the morning. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll often, you know, you know, go to sleep for a couple hours and then, uh, kind of set our alarms, wake up and, watch the game and then go back to bed at five. You know? <laughs> Do you go to yeah. any pro hockey games in Europe? I mean, there's a lot of great leagues over there. I know you're probably busy. 
Yeah, we've been to a few. Um, the first one I went to was uh, uh, we went to see uh, the Munich Red Bull uh, in the, oh, the DEL game. We played them in uh, exhibition when I was with Cincinnati. How's that rink, hey? <laughs> no way! Oh yeah. man, what a cool rink! Yeah, I just find it cool. It's, yeah. it, it, it's like a, it's kind of like a European football atmosphere, you know? Like you got yeah. you got the 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 bleachers behind the nets are like standing bleachers only, you know, and people are waving flags and jumping up and down singing songs. And, and uh, so that, that was cool. And and also the, um, the last few tours we've done in the UK, we've kind of gotten a little, uh, kind of cross promotion, uh, partnership going with, um, the elite hockey league. Uh, I I believe that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Uh, I can have to check my facts. I believe it's called the elite hockey league in in the UK. Yeah, the English Elite League, I call it. It always changes. Yeah. We just say Yeah, yeah, but League. right, yeah. So uh, we've um, – actually, we went to uh, – we, we practiced with the Nottingham Panthers over there, and uh, that was actually when uh, Brian McGratton, a fellow Hamiltonian, was on the team. God, I so, remember uh, we were over there last year shooting uh, Frontier. I told you about that. I didn't realize oh, you were Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to, yeah, I went totally. to, um, I went to watch, too, um, the Nottingham – yeah, Panthers, I think. Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, the well, Panthers, yeah. It still impresses me. All those places over there, like almost every significant city that you come to, in that not just England, you go Germany and Austria, and you know now you get Switzerland and, and and Italy, places that you know hockey's been around, but it's really really taken a strong foothold now. Yeah, and, and, and like <laughs> the Scandinavian countries, yeah. you know, like Sweden, Finland, you know, Denmark, even. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see the different game. The, the game's played a little different, obviously, right? It's a different level of play. It's a different, uh, you know, different types of players are kind of seen as more valuable. You know, the fans want to see different aspects of the game. Over in, in England, they just want to see fights. I know. McGratton's a rock star out there. You know, he, he's, uh, you know, any ex-NHLer that goes out and plays is, is, a, is a big deal, and he... Uh, he, he knows how to throw them too, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, a lot of people don't realize they think Europe's Europe, and I'm like, a lot of the lot of these places, it's different styles, man. Like that league, yeah. yeah, that league is at this point. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say it, it might even be rougher than you know. It used to be that oh, you yeah. guys are good England. They, it's a novelty. They'll like the fights, you know. Uh, um, yeah, and and, 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 and the, it, the speed of the speed of play is, isn't as high, so. I think it's easier to to find someone and get a body on them, you know. Yeah, no, and, you're right. And and, and 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 the coaches love it because it riles up the fans, and you get more fans out to the game because you know hockey at that level is a lot about getting fans out and making money because the teams aren't aren't rich like they are over here, you know. And and the and you know the players all have jobs, and it's uh, so you know they they um, they they do whatever's going to bring popularity to the game, and and I think. Playing like big hits and fighting are a big part of that over there in England. Yeah, they love it. I know that they, they love it. it it's it's the one place that the game is either staying where it was or, or getting a bit rougher. But um, don't you find when you're traveling, like I often say, like when I have hockey schools or whatever it might be, because like a lot of parents and a lot of kids, their first question will be, you know, what do I have to do or what does Johnny have to do to make the NHL? And uh, I'm like. You know how many options there are out there. Like what? What? what success is in the eyes of the beholder here. Like, oh, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't want to put the kid down. I don't know who he is. He could be the best on his team in the best province. The odds are still against him. You know, you might get injured. Yeah. yeah. You might get into the dope. Yeah. You might. Uh, you might get homesick. 
right? You might have a girlfriend and get homesick for her, or she might come with you and you knock her up. There might be a thousand things that happen, but by the time you're 19, 20, and you're, and you're and, and 21 and you're a pro, it's just a lot of things that's not survival of the fittest. Well, almost though, almost by that point. Oh, the, and the, the variables. Oh my God. That, yeah. That go into making the show. So I often say, you guys realize that if he doesn't make the NHL or even if she doesn't play four years at a, at a top notch college, like, do you have any idea the options that are over there? Cause I, I say she, because there are women's leagues now. Yeah, um, of course. But like, you know, there's so many, like, you can go and, and, and as a fairly decent average professional player in North America, you can go over to Europe and tack five to ten years on, depending what league you're in, and get to see the world. If, if At the very least, get to see the world for free and make a decent dollar. No one over there is going poor. Um, there's not as much money in the NHL, but um, there's more money than there is in, say, the, the minors in the East Coast League and stuff. So I think it's a great oh, it, option. It, it, Go ahead. It, yeah. it, and if and, and if you and if you're doing it for the love of the game, for the love of playing, like who wouldn't want to be playing in a barn with five thousand people, you know, just screaming, screaming your name? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's still it's still a, a, a vibe going on in there. It's a serious vibe going on in those barns when when the game's really hyped up. You know, it's uh, like what it's that's and, something I started to realize too in meeting those players and. You know, there's a lot of Canadian and American players that I that I've met on those teams. You know, we we talked to we hung out with the Nottingham Panthers, the Manchester Storm, the the Glasgow Clan. You know, like uh, and a, a lot of them have uh, Canadian guys on the teams who you know I still keep in touch with, and and a lot of them, even the even the the natives over there, they all come out to our shows. We go to their games when we head over. It's a cool relationship. Well, this is the thing, and I often talk about this uh, with Cuddy, and Jim Cuddy's the first one to bring this up to me, but I, I don't know how I didn't see it before, but he says, you know, think of all, because we're out there skating around and you guys have guitars and drums and, and instruments, I used to just disconnect the two, but he said there's so much similar. Like, what I just explained is almost the same for you guys. You get to go over there as well. Like I'm not saying monster truck are huge, but there are markets that you'll play over here that aren't as big, just like some guys that might be playing in Colorado Springs in the minors or Roanoke or somewhere, and then all of a sudden you go over there and you know, you're playing in Munich. Well, what's this? There's eight thousand people here. They got drums, they're chanting, they're you know, so and not only that, not in the not not in the eyes of like a minor league band. Again, I'm not calling you minor league, but you know what I'm saying. There's minor league Yeah, yeah, you know no, no, totally, totally on a relative yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing it through the same eyes as some guys say who've been to the NHL and the AHL and go back and forth, maybe, right? That, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But not only that, like, don't you find and you're performing, and you know, and you've and you've got to give this performance, and you know, the performance is usually seven or eight and nine o'clock at night, and you have the whole day to kind of get a pre-game or a pre-show meal in, and then you have maybe a nap, and some guys go for a walk. I just find when Jim explained it all, and then you're torn around on a bus or a plane. It's like, it's really similar, and you're seeing the same places, right? I mean, do you yeah, find that? Yeah, yeah I, I've drawn so many parallels with it over the over the last few years, uh, when I've, you know, really realizing it, you know, meeting more hockey players, and on, on that kind of level, and, um, it's uh or even you know athletes in general you know it, it's uh it is a very there's lots of similarities and lots of differences too you know it, it's uh that what you're the saying about are um, so obvious i think that i just concentrated on those before or i didn't even yeah. really give it much thought no totally no totally you're right but but yeah you're right that that uh 
even in terms of options, you know, it's like there, there's bands that don't even bother, they're Canadian bands that don't even bother playing in North America at all anymore. And we'll just go over and play in Scandinavia yeah. or we'll play in, you know, we'll, we'll play in bands. England. Yeah, and, you know that yeah, the yeah. bands are huge yeah, over there. Yeah. I noticed that yeah. when I lived in Sweden for a couple of summers. Um, that, oh, you know, yeah, they, they love just the, seem, they love yeah. the heavy just seem everybody's yeah. quiet and like i remember a couple of guys on the team over there took us fishing and we were over there to train myself and brad brown and it just didn't what? didn't uh, we were in were Vast, you, were you Vastus, in uh... Vastus, sweden oh, okay um, okay cool. but I don't think I've been was in finland and tucker went there with him but the, the habs would give us money to go train wherever we wanted so like after oh, a year cool. you know we the first year we went to brock university um not a bad place at all i went to brainerd minnesota a few years i've talked about that but then I remember looking at the boys and going like, "Why wow, anywhere? Like anywhere that there's a rink. And then like, so we brought up actually Vasteris because Nick Lidstrom, not because of, but when I saw that he lived there and he was going to go there and there was a guy in the Canadians at the time named Peter Popovich and a goalie mm-hmm. for the Islanders named Tommy Sallow. And they were all from this place, Vasteris, which wasn't quite as big as St. John's where I live. It was about 250,000. Oh, wow. It was probably half that size. Yeah, yeah. So they were practicing all summer. So I said, you know, who's – probably going to get a little bit better if I'm going against Nick Lidstrom for a summer, you know, then yeah. <laughs> no offense take to shots on Tommy Gearing, Sallow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Jeez. Taking shots on wow. Sallow. So it was great. Yeah. We went over there. I just found, I found it a lot like Canada in the, some parts of the culture and, and the attitudes and everything. And then just all of a sudden though, like I'd pop on, I remember, I remember in the room cause I like to do the tunes. So even, you know, boys didn't have any music on. So I said, oh, I'll go put on, and I remember, like, oh, well, to start with the Beatles. Like, is this too heavy? And I, I remember I played, like, back in the USSR, and then it accidentally went into Helter Skelter. Yeah. That's the way, uh-huh. it, probably a CD mix yeah. or even a tape at the time. Yeah. And I went over to take it off, and then I realized, then I looked at their collection of what they had. It was all heavy metal, death metal, hard metal. Yeah. The, the most, the least... The, the the most packaged commercial product that they had there was Ace of Spades <laughs> Motorhead. That was it. There was everything else. Uh, I mean, I, you, you stuff like Ramstein and you know, like good stuff. Just oh, great stuff. I've always wondered about that though, and 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 maybe both you guys could give me some insight on it. Do you, like like in the terms of the chicken or the egg with regards to the Scandinavian regions. Yeah like longing and thirst for for metal is it because of the imagery of it is so tied to their culture and and their mythology or is the mythology in the music because the fan base is in scandinavia that's a steve question go ahead because i've only visited you've been there as a rock star you'd know you you know what i i've i've never i've never been there in a metal band which would be a uh which would be quite an experience but um i i have you seen that um that documentary called the headbangers journey yeah no i haven't no that no okay you gotta see that it, okay. it breaks down the it the genres of metal and sub metal and goes into the scandinavian ties and and you know this like all all countries up there and it, it is super heavy you know and in like even with the whole like burn there's there's bands that you know like burn churches and shit like that you know it, oh yeah i know there's gets, some really dark black metal yeah bands, like yeah. super dark like yeah like that's way beyond me you know and, but and the concert happens and the next day everybody walks around just yeah just yeah. normal like yeah. you know this cartoon birds like, oh, tweeting, it, like no one even it was, it's, just, it's weird. it was just a metal band no big deal yeah you know? <laughs> i know which is great actually I, yeah. I, I studied it one of my courses in folklore because you know you 
folklore, there was so many options. There's a lot of storytelling and traditions and music. And, but I found that fascinating, and I don't think I ever really did. It's a good question, Mike. Yeah. And I, I often thought, too, you know, the Vikings, the, yeah, the whole like, idea of, you know, like, Scandinavian and Nordic. And, yeah, this, all, that's, all that imagery know? is in the music, and I didn't know if it was that the imagery was in the music because the fan base w- was in Scandinavia, or is the sp- fan base there I, I because like, oh, they're talking about our folklore? I think all mythology. of the above. And yeah. at this point, if you're five or six growing up, and that's what people listen to, like yeah. us here, like we like what everybody else likes, but yeah. we, we're overrepresented on the Irish thing side of things, right? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's how it is with Sweden too. Like they, they, we, we, we played there many, many times, and and it, they, there's tons of love for other types of music as well up there. It's just kind of. You know, like you say, they just, it's kind of what they wear on their sleeve, what yeah. everyone knows them for. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's also, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it's a bit of everything up there. They like music in general. They're really passionate music goers. They're, they're weirdly enough, they're very stoic crowds. Like they, they really stand there and observe the music. And, and they, when the song's over, they clap very intensely for like, 20 seconds and then everyone stops and waits for the next song. It's kind of weird, but, it, and, 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 you know, you're, you're thrown off a bit at first cause you're like, do they really like us or, you know, and, and, and then, yeah, and then, you know, people end up telling you like, yeah, afterwards, someone will always apologize for the crowd. Like, Oh, sorry. We are so quiet. You know, that's just the Swedish way, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, that's an interesting thing about up there too. Oh, that's okay, great. One thing I've got to ask before I forget, because I'm going off on all these tangents. D. Schneider, the last album, <laughs> True Rocker. A, how did you get D. Schneider? And, uh, you know, did sorry? you get to spend some time with him and, uh, you know, really I get to, get to know him? Uh, no, we didn't, unfortunately. Oh, um, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, yeah um, our, Marv, our singer, he, uh, he, he got to hang out with him one night. Um, basically, basically, uh, how it came about was D. Snyder was, uh, I think he, he had written and was directing this Christmas musical in, uh, and it was, uh, you know, it was running in Toronto for, uh, for a couple of months at one of the theaters there. Um, I forget what it's called, which is bad, but, uh, and, uh, on his way into rehearsals every day, he'd stop at this, um, this juice bar. Uh, he, he's a real health freak. So he'd start his day off with a nice, healthy, uh, healthy juice. And the, the juice bar was playing, um, our music over the, uh, the PA and he heard, I think it was the song old train off of our first full length. And, um, he asked, who is this to the, to the kind of juice barista? And I said, Oh, it's monster truck. Uh, and I think he had, I think he was playing the CD. So I think he just gave him the CD kind of thinking he was doing us a solid, which he kind of was because, uh, he, you know, listened to the CD and just started freaking out um, on online on, you know, his Twitter, just saying how how great he thought we were, and, and he he kind of got in touch with us, and we sent him a bunch of swag, and he invited us to his musical, and and then um, D. Snyder's Rock we were, and Roll Christmas Tale, by the way. There you go. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I still have yet to see. I'm sure it's unbelievable. Actually, Marv said it was great. Um, but, uh, it, uh, so he, um, yeah, that's how the connection was initially made. And then when we were um, working on the last album, true rocker, uh, we were doing the song true rocker. Um, and, uh, there's a kind of a, a part where, 
you know, he preaches in it. And we, we knew that was kind of what we planned on doing in that song from the get go. We just weren't sure who we were going to get to do it. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of, as soon as we kind of, um, you know, got to, got to know, I say no in brackets D a little online. Um, we just kind of asked him and he's like, yeah, for sure. And with the, you know, the studio magic these days, we just emailed him basically the song, you know, he did it and emailed it back kind of deal. Which is just um, madness, right? <laughs> it's it's crazy, yeah. It's so crazy that you can do that now. But uh, yeah, it was it was super it, like it was super cool to that he you know obliged us and did that. And you know, listening to it for the first time, I got like goosebumps. It was so cool. I, I yeah, we just kind of let him run with it a little bit. I think Marv gave him a little bit of a kind of a you know a skeleton of of what. Uh, what we kind of want you to be preaching about, you know, being a true rocker and all this stuff. And he just kind of re- went with it and put his own D Snyder attitude, uh, on it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it worked out really great. We have yet to do it live. We haven't crossed paths except for the one time that we did meet him was after he had done it and, and uh, done the, the track, uh, we, in Sweden, oddly enough, we were just talking about it at a, a rock festival, Sweden rock up there and uh twisted sister is massive in sweden and uh they were they were playing um on the main stage uh closing it down one night there's like ninety thousand people on stage and uh um he invited us up to to kind of stand on the side of the stage for their set and right in the middle of their song he just comes over and just gives us all like a hug he's like hey guys love the song can't wait to do it live one day and just kind of goes back to the stage and finishes the set <laughs> we're like okay cool <laughs> Yeah, that's wow. wild. I, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I didn't meet D Snyder, but stood next to him one time. It was, I was in LA and, um, I was standing in an Airbnb and the, the, like the electronic gate, the power was out. So I couldn't get in. So I had to go to like Beverly Hills to the woman who owned the place to get the key from her. And as I'm like walking <laughs> down Rodeo drive, I'm like, and I've been flying from Newfoundland. I'm gassed i'm tired I'm, I'm dragged out and i walk up to a crosswalk and as i walk up i see this guy standing there and it's like you know he's a tall dude he's like you know a little over six feet long blunt yeah like, like platinum white ponytail dressed head to toe in <laughs> black leather with like gold everything and as i'm walking up behind him i'm like dude that kind of looks like d snyder and i stand next to him and i glance up and it's d snyder and i go wow. and before i could say boo like the lights the lights change and he walked across the street and i was just like what the hell just happened it was just <laughs> like i wanted to and it was wow. just like because like, i you know because uh you know, from music, but also from horror movies and all these things. Like people say, D. Snyder is like the sweetest, most approachable guy you could meet. And I was totally ready to just kind of fan out at him, and instead he just crossed the street. Steve, Mike's like heavily into horror movies, more <laughs> more so than ever. Oh, I cool! Know. Like, to- did Mike, just tell him how much you are. Well, I, a lot. Um, well, what do you do? You work. <laughs> well, in I, you yeah, know, I, 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 I've listened to the pod before. I get the yeah, jet, true, true, you know, true, I, yeah, true, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I keep, yeah, I keep so at the time, I can't remember what I was there for for that one. I don't know because I did. It wasn't cut either. No, no, no. But I was doing yeah. like uh, lad, like this time last year, I went down for the Halloween red carpet and hosted the coverage of that and and all that. And I can't. Oh. And it wasn't. Yeah. And, and I did yeah. Halloween horror nights and Predator before that. And you go did, to the did, LA did here so and there. And I think the red it was actually. I think it was actually when I was there to do the It premiere. Is actually when this story happens. So okay. yeah. Um, so not so not only are you into horror movies, you're quite a big deal in the scene. No, not at all. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, okay. he's, he's on this every day, so people forget. It's it's often like, or you and Jim Cuddy coming on here and talking about hockey, but there's another big thing that we got to talk about music. Well, to Mike, horror films, film in general, like yeah. it's it's a big, 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 yeah. huge part of his life. Yeah. 
And when I say it, a lot of cool. time people think you just fan out. Now, anybody fans out, so who yeah. gives a shit what you fan out about? I often say it, busting your balls here and there, but yeah. I mean... You know, I mean, you know what? It, it, it yeah. it's a form of art. Yeah, art man. Is cool. And, and you, you know, know it. it and what I was going to say, and something I've, I've say, I said before is like sometimes people give, like fandom is fandom, whether it's movies or music or, or hockey or, or football or any kind of interest. Fandom is fandom. And if you're into something, you're into something. And it's something that you and other people can kind of like bond over and stuff. Uh, yeah, and, and I love and, and, movies. You know? I find, uh, yeah, you go ahead, Steve. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, I was just going to say you're right. It's so important that be passionate about something in life. Yeah. It's so important to have a passion, you know, like it's, I, I always find it so weird when, you know, like the odd time I'll come across someone like, uh, Oh, what's uh what's your favorite band? And like, uh, I don't really listen to music at all. Like, you don't listen to music <laughs> at all. Yeah. I don't trust you know, anybody. like, or, you know, or, or like, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it having, being into expression and, and, you know, uh, just, being so into something that you you want to do it without even being paid, you want to spend your free time doing it. You know that that's that's cool stuff. You know. Yeah, and but no, I don't. Anybody who's like, oh, I'm not really into music. I don't trust you. Like, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's music. It's like, like, oh, I don't really watch movies. Usually, what do you do with your time? Have you ever noticed then? people that don't listen to music usually aren't funny? Yeah. Comedy follows, even though comedy shouldn't yeah, really yeah, follow yeah, them. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I don't know. Well, like, people who aren't I, into music at all. I, I think. Are not I funny. think because the whole thing is that in order to be funny, you need to have a personality. <laughs> so you're <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Just like, I'll yeah. just say that to people though, and they're like, "No, nah, I don't really like music." What do you mean you don't like music? Yeah. It's like I mean, you know. Oh, so oh, sorry, and, like, and, and if I got nothing, I'll turn on a drip those... in the bathroom tub. Like, you know, give me a beat. So yeah. what, what do you think about oxygen? <laughs> oh, I'm not really into breathing. Like, how do yeah, you just... yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, have, you ever, have you ever walked around before? No, I'm not big into walking. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. true enough, true enough. Now, as long as we're talking about fandom, I don't want to get beyond this because I keep forgetting. But were you always into hockey? We get in those early years in, in, in yeah, sports yeah, and piano. Yeah. But were you like – and football, clearly you were a good football player. But were you into – hockey and if so what what age so so my claim to fame was I, I played hockey probably from the ages of maybe uh six until when when do you start hitting when do you start uh, body checking it's usually bantam so like 13 14 yeah okay so i probably played from a say seven to 11 or 12 and um me and my brother uh, right below me andy we were uh, for like the last two seasons we played, we were the top two scorers in the in the league. I mean, it was a house league, but uh, but but they kept uh, they kept score, they kept uh, stats or whatever. And uh, me and my my brother was uh, he was a big goal scorer, and I was I was the setup man. We played on the same team, and we were kind of like uh, you know the the, the Sedins. I was always setting them up, <laughs> and and he was always he was, he was a quick skater, and I loved hockey. And we were we were both you know obviously fairly pretty naturally good at it at a young age but once uh once the once the kids started hitting and once the slap shots started getting higher and faster i uh i i i kind of i don't know i i think i was traumatized by some by some bad injuries i had as a kid i was always getting injured yeah like, that's normal re, re, yeah like like but, but to an extreme like like we could i could do another podcast on bad injuries i've had in my childhood, you know, okay. I'm very, I'm a very lucky guy. And, uh, wow, I, I think geez, I just, I, I think, I think if you follow yeah, up I, with, I'm a lucky guy, you must've had some crazy ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, uh, I, I have, and, 
And uh, I think I just kind of got sick of of recovering from injuries. And uh, I, I, which you know, it doesn't make sense why I got into football later. But <laughs> I think maybe, I, I think maybe in those years between hockey and football, I I was glad I got out of the physicality, and then all of a sudden I was looking forward to get back into it well, with football. But uh, what, what position did you play in football? In hockey? In football? Oh, in football? In both, I guess. Football. Well, hockey. I, I was uh, I was a center. My brother was a uh, was a uh, winger, mm-hmm. and um, in in football, um, I played slot back, a very Canadian position, <laughs> kind of like kind of like an inside receiver. Or sometimes you'd, you'd you know rip back and take a handoff, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you'd be blocking on the end of the line. So it was a very kind of Swiss Army knife uh, position in football, and it was it was. Uh, it, it was fun. I, I but but it, it just uh, it, it took over my life, and and I got to a point where I was thinking like, what what am I going to do? Like uh, like really struggle here to try and maybe make the CFL one day, you know, or or you know, I I that was right. Also, that was that was no, and and I mean nothing nothing against CFL. I'm not saying it in terms of that. I'm saying it in terms of like I probably didn't even have a hope at that. That was like my that was my end game, like success. If I had yeah. gotten there, you know. Yeah. So uh, I, I know um, what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, for someone. Yeah, that's... I'm not. I'm not at all. But I have buddies who play in the league, and, and I know how hard they work and how tough it is to to play professional football. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's that's about the time I really heavily got into music when I was about 20 years old. You know, so it. Uh, I, I I only played hockey for for a few years, but I, I've been a fan uh, my whole life. Like some of my earliest memories of hockey are. You know, the, when you're a kid and you can't sleep and, you know, you, you get out of bed and you go downstairs and my dad's watching the Leafs game and I'd be like, Dad, I can't sleep. And he's like, okay, come sit with me and watch the end of this period. That was always the thing. I would always get to go out, watch the end of whatever period they were on. And then, yeah, uh, and then, and then I, yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Found, and how many kids have done that, right? You know? Yeah, I would have. Yeah, that was my honest, man. That was my most rewarding experiences growing up having those unexpected nights with my dad and and my mom oh, they, yeah. they were heavily into it but and you know I, I just happened to go on and play but you know there was all kinds of my buddies did the same and just like you like some of us played some of us didn't yeah. my house was more of a communal mount pearl kind of thing it wasn't just the hockey players and i, I always separate the playing and the watching and the fandom i mean i'm still a fan like yeah. i totally separated and i did then like we'd all go down and get let's get Few beers if we're you know fourteen fifteen years old if a little earlier you know let's get pizza party whatever it is but it was usually only yeah. three or four people of the ten or twelve that actually played at a high level. Yeah. Um, before we go any further though, something just popped into my mind, and I've got to ask you, Steve, because you started the story in my dad's basement, and it had to do with opening for Guns and Roses. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just get into a little bit of that, if you don't mind. That blew me away. Just the little part that you told me. Um, yeah, that that was that. So we, it was it was in Buffalo, I believe. No, I no, sorry, I'm wrong. It was in Quebec City. They have this, were opening uh, for Guns N' Roses, right? We were opening for Guns N' Roses, and this was this was the Guns N' Roses that was just Axel fronting, uh, you know, a, a bunch of hired dudes. And they were, it was actually just called G, GNR. Yeah, it was, you know? as, as uh, I think Jimmy Fallon once described it, it's Axel and nine guys that aren't Slash. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was, yeah. 
Uh, and uh, so, so we were uh, we were the opening slot on uh, this festival called Festival de Te they have out there, and it's at the uh, the Plains of Abraham, and there's like, I think it's eighty or ninety thousand people uh, out to it. It's just massive, and um, so we're out doing our sound check in the uh, in the afternoon, and I and I see this guy just rocking out at the side of the stage, and I I'm not sure who he is, and. But, you know, whenever someone's digging our music, I'm, you know, it pumps me up and I, I love it, you know. So uh, we finished our sound check. I go over and, and uh, like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Love yeah. you guys. Can't wait to see you guys play tonight. And I was like, and that hey, must man, feel I'm good. Huge. That must in yeah, itself oh, feel good. It, it, it feels great hearing that. It, it's, that will never, ever get old, you know. And yeah, it man. always puts a smile on my face. And, and the guy ended up being Frank Ferrer, who was the drummer of, of GNR. Okay. So, uh, so I was like, wow, that blew me away even more kind of, you know? So, you know, we, we like, wow, that's, thank you so much. You know, uh, I'm really excited to see you guys play too, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward to after our set and, uh, we're, we're standing side stage watching GNR play in front of this massive crowd. It was a really, really crazy experience just being there and, and watching Axel run around and be Axel. <laughs> and um and uh and all of a sudden um uh between songs frank looks over at me from the drum riser and he motions motions me to come up there and i was like what and i kind of you know do a look behind me like is he looking at me and <laughs> oh, and uh oh, and, and then uh and then he's like yeah come on so i run up on the drum riser which is if you can picture Guns N' Roses, you know, probably wouldn't surprise you that the drum riser is probably 12 feet high, you know, yeah. yeah, with, with like, with like multiple stairways coming down off of it, you know? And, uh, he, he throws me, a throws me a tambourine and they kick into patience and, uh, Holy he, 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 uh, yeah, I played tambourine, uh, up on the drum riser, uh, for patience. And then, um, that was incredible. Axel was running around singing, you know, it, it was, it was a very surreal moment, very surreal moment. And then, uh, he, uh, I, you know, the song ends and I go to get out, give him the tambourine back. And he's like, no, 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 stay for one more. And I was so overcome with whatever that I don't even remember what that other song was. <laughs> I just, wow. I just remember, wow. I just remember that I, that I stayed up there and I played tambo for another song. And, uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ran off stage and, and yeah, it was, uh, it was surreal, you know? Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, just, and Patience is one of those songs too. It's one of those, you know, like everybody who was alive when they grew up, like, it's just one of those, you, oh, have to, you yeah. can picture the video, you can picture oh, yeah. the song, you can picture the first girl, well, around our age, that, you know, you dance to it with. Yeah. It just really hits home. Like, you know, even if... If I, I can hear that song just in a room by myself and gets goosebumps. Oh yeah, as that whistling, yeah, as that whistling kicks in but, at the start, you know. Yeah, it just had yeah, a real it, impact. Even at the time, you oh, could yeah. tell that it was going to be like that. And here you yeah. get to go on stage, but it's also yeah, it's, it, it, it's also not a tambourine-heavy song either, right? Oh, man. No, so no. How do you I, find I, I was, how do you find the tambourine well, part in patience? <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, uh, it you just do it when you're in front of that many people. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you just find a way. Well, you, you know what? I mean, to be honest, it, it was probably. Uh, you know, more of a here, come up and do this. So it's cool. Like yeah. a, kind of a cool thing for me. Like, it's not like they had a mic on my tambourine <laughs> yeah, or anything yeah, like yeah. that, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, uh, it was more of a, 
it, it's always cool when you know like the the headlining band will incorporate the uh, the opener and, oh, and dude, no, it's, some kind of collaboration in any in any aspect that's it's, it's just always, so awesome man yeah yeah it really is and uh open for alice in chains you said was that uh for a full tour i i i'm i'd like to know i mean i I watched Alice in Chains in the early 90s. I told you I, I played hockey in Seattle out, or, or in Tri-Cities. Not that far from Seattle, far enough that we could go on the weekends, about a couple hours, and see that whole grunge movement going down. And Alice in Chains was, um, I remember the first time I heard the song, I think Wood, Wood it's called, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like, I just said, like, this is from another planet. I've never heard it before. Now it turns out that area in Seattle at the time did have that sound a little bit, but I just found them always unique. <laughs> And oh man, I, 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 they're such a cool band. Good to hear. They had, they had, they had this crit. Oh, but I, I'm even agreeing with you on, in terms of like hearing them for the first time. You know what I mean? Like the, oh, yeah, okay, the, yeah. the, 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 the grit they had that, that kind of no other bands had that kind of grit that Lane's voice and even the, yeah. the way the guitar sounded and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it, they were they were a really special band. I, I that's so cool that you were there in that time, man. I I can't believe that. It was just you know the timing was and I didn't know anything about it. We'd heard a little bit about Nirvana and Pearl Jam. It was around then, right? Like I went out there. It was fourteen years old when you yep. drafted the Western League. I saw so Soundgarden ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, Soundgarden. Yep. And then the thing is, a lot of people I don't think realize you. I guess you would have had to be there. So. A lot of people went there to record and play because it was like the center of the universe. So, like, we saw Tim McGraw there, like, you know, or even that, what, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby Got Back. He's from, he's from Tacoma. Tacoma's right next no to way. Right, yeah, like, yeah. The whole world kind of went there. So, like, there was just no shortage. I remember seeing David Copperfield twice there, back-to-back years, who probably normally wouldn't wow. be up the Tri-City way, right? Yeah. But there was just so many things happening in our building. Like I said, it wasn't that far away, but it held 6,000. So it's perfect for these bands. White yeah. Zombie. Yeah. I remember, like, who's this tonight? Well, it's going to be White Zombie. Remember those, like, yeah. the dancing puppets come out, and then all of a sudden yeah. Rob's in this. It's like he was in a horror. You like horror yeah, films. Yeah, you yeah. must love him. Yeah. And I was just like, what is going on? And everything then from, like, Mazzy Star. PJ Harvey, like it was all going on there. That's so cracked. Um, so uh, yeah, wow. and, and first time I heard Monster Truck too, I said, "I'm not, I'm not in in, a, in any way saying that either of those songs sound like one of theirs." But you know what I mean? There's an influence. Yeah. I said, "I bet you some of these guys probably like the scene in the '90s." Yeah. Um, oh man, yeah, that, that that was a big part of uh, a a big part of the formula for us. We were all influenced by that grunge. And kind of, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess you got to call it grunge, right? That's yeah, what everyone calls it. That, that place, that time, you know. Where did you tour with them? Uh, Alice in Chains, we toured with them, um, uh, Canada and the U.S. Uh, we, we, we toured with them two, oh, three separate times, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, yeah, and they were, that, that's like probably one of the, the tours I most was looking forward to leading up to it, like, just because of how much I love the music, like touring with big bands uh, that you've heard of is, is cool. It, it, it's very cool, but touring with big bands that you actually love to listen to and grew up lo- listening to and that influenced you as a kid, that's a whole other level, you know? Totally. And uh, we, we, we first met um, uh, Jerry Cantrell when we were on tour with Slash out in, and it was a show in Seattle and um, oh, wow. uh, 
and it, it was at a kind of a small like warehouse kind of club that would have hold maybe like a thousand people, twelve hundred. Yeah. And um, uh, Duff came out on stage and played with Slash actually at that wow. show. Really? Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, and they they did. I think they did Night Train, and um, and then uh, after the show, uh, met Duff obviously, uh, and then Jerry Cantrell was there to hang out and watch the show as well. Met him that night, and then um, I, I I think the way Flash speaks really highly of us, and uh, I, I think that had a lot to do with us getting on that Alice in Chains tour. Um, initially and then we just really hit it off with that band uh we, we would you know it, it would it was crazy like i would i would you know go set up my drums behind the stage walk back to our dressing room and jerry cantrell would be sitting in there playing chairs acoustic singing oh, some tune you know or or you know like what we we went golfing in uh i think it was south dakota and uh jerry uh jerry uh, booked an early tee off time and I, and we were in a van at the time and they were in buses, obviously. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I said, Jerry, we can't golf tomorrow. Uh, we're not going to make it there in time. He's like, okay, well just come on my bus. And, uh, and that way we'll get there late, you know, early, early, like wee hours of the morning. And then they got us a hotel room to just chill in until the, till the golf game. And then took us out for a golf game and, and, uh, you know, we went out for, dinner a bunch we we played pool a lot they're just really really awesome dudes that that uh mike inez the bass player he would come out um every night and do uh an old song of ours called sordid beast it's on our first or it's on the brown ep yeah mm-hmm. uh he, he uh that was his favorite song so we asked if he could come out and play it he came out every night and played that song with us and uh that was pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah. Even though it's your own song that you've played like a thousand times, it's still like, oh my God, I'm playing it with Mike Inez right now, you know? <laughs> and and uh, it, yeah, it, it's, um, they were, uh, we, we really made a great bond with them on, on our, our tours together. And uh, yeah, they, I mean, we haven't, uh, haven't seen them in a while, but um, you know, it's just how things line up sometimes. Of course. Uh, but you're seeing the world. You just, uh, so for those I'm trying to put a timeline, I, you were, you were here. That was the beginning of September. Uh, and then yeah. you went, uh, I did pretty much every time cause Steve and I text back and forth at least once a week, I guess. But since then you've been touring in the States. I knew Atlanta. I know St. Louis. Where else were you down there and how'd it go? Yeah, we, uh, it was, it was cool. We, um, we started off in green Bay, uh, and um, we, we were in kind of middle uh, America for a while, which is interesting. I've never spent that much time there in middle America. I'm sure you must have played oh, in yeah. tons I of those in cities. Every league in North America, man. I was forced yeah, to be in 44 yeah. states, although I love it, though. Right. I love it. Right. Middle yeah. America it, is, is, is just the, the flavor. Just every day I feel. <sighs> you know what? I. I I don't know if I can quite put it into words. It's a lot of what I expected before. I get deja vu a lot. I don't know if it's from watching old movies, but you know, there's an Americana to it that's almost yeah. expected and refreshing. Anyway, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to throw a judgment on it. I, I definitely haven't spent as much time as, as you probably have down there, but it was, uh, it was a cool time of year to go to it. It's a, uh, 
you know, the, I, I love this weather. I love the autumn, but, but mm-hmm. we, we, uh, we started up there and then we ended up going down to Florida, um, and the South for a while, which was awesome because it's, you know, right, we went right back into shorts and t-shirt weather and went out to, um, California, uh, yeah. through the desert yeah. and Phoenix and, uh, up in the mountains in Colorado and Utah. Uh, and then uh, uh, it was one, yeah. another one of my favorite places I've been, Colorado Springs. That, I played there one all, year. Oh boy! Ooh, you I know, I, I, I think I think I may have texted, or either I was I don't know if I texted or if I was just thinking of it when I drove by the Colorado Springs because I knew you played there. Yeah, I I was like ah, oh, because because it was my first time there, and and uh, um, I uh, I it was uh, it was well, we were in Denver, but uh, still so such a beautiful. Um, Oh, it's beautiful just, city, it's and 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 I mean that that was actually the first city. Uh, uh, that I think we we it took three weeks to get there on the tour. It was like a four and a half week tour, and that was the first city that we got to where I could go buy some weed at a dispensary and not have to worry <laughs> oh, about wow. going to jail. <laughs> True enough. Yeah. I keep, you know, yeah. I, I know mean, I we we, we take it for like, granted now. We do take it for it's granted. Been a year and a half, and we take it for granted. We it's do. Mad. I awesome. know. Eh? <laughs> I was in Washington last year. I went back to Tri Cities, and yeah. it's allowed there. Although it yeah. wasn't as easy as I thought. I had to drive like a half hour outside of town. Yeah, it wasn't like it is here. Right. I don't know. What, people listening to this are all over the world. Give us your thoughts. For us in St. John's, we're, we're never, we're never honestly, we're never a golf hole away from a weed store. <laughs> like a, a par five. If I if I look a par five in any direction from wherever I am in town, I can hit a weed store. That's how many there are. That that's really funny that you use that way of describing distance because I literally use the exact same. Do yeah. thing. I, I, yeah. Or 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 I, I say I can hit a baseball there. Yeah. I say that. Sometimes. I know I do that too. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, is that that's that since it's been legal, while it was legal, it was like a mini golf hole away from it. Well, true. Like, you know, it was, yeah. a, it was a par three at at best. But like, what you know, I keep saying it. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says, man. Like. I like it, and I like not, not about the weed thing. I mean, I don't care about saying that. I'm just saying, people go, "Well, you know, it might have been better before because my dealer had better weed." Now, look, man, I can walk in and get whatever I want. If yeah. I get anxiety, I can get this. If I get pain, I can get this. If I get CBD, I can pretty much take care of any of those things. Um, you know, sometimes I want to get totally. a little bit stoned and go to a movie. Sometimes, you know, I want. I don't want to be too stoned. I want to yeah. be fairly clear headed. I didn't even know that was a possibility till I came into CBD. Yeah. But anyway, I, yeah, I think the whole world's going to catch well, yeah, up. Yeah. When when you're buying from Joe Blow down the block, you know you don't know what you're getting. Exactly. I mean, not 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 that it, it's not like you know it's not as extreme as buying fucking you know no. some coke laced no. with fentanyl, you know. Yeah. But it's like, it, but but it's like you know if if you want if if you get anxious with too much THC, yeah. and you know you you, you buy it's from over. like guy down the block, <laughs> exactly. like he's like, so oh, what, what what kind what kind of weed is it? Uh, weed, <laughs> the, weed, you know, the good kind. You know? Yeah, the whole yeah, reason yeah, I'm getting yeah. it is to avoid the feeling yeah. I have right now. What the fuck did I just smoke? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I I can go, and I'm somebody who's never been a, much of a, a smoker or anything, but like I can go, like you said, I can go get like some CBD. Like I use the the spray, like the oil spritz, and I love that shit. Right. Uh, and I can just go well, to the I, store I, and buy some for like roughly the case of beer, price of a case of beer, and you know, be set. And with no hangover. I'm curious. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, exactly. I'm 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 curious to know what kind of usages there are in the hockey world. You know, if that's changed at okay. all now that it's legal. Or here you go. You know? What a great way to uh, introduce one of our guests in the near future. I've never met him, but we talk online a lot. Riley Cote. 
And Rob, and Rob Fred, ah. actually, Rob Fred, Rob Fred's been a friend of the show. Yeah, he's, he's been, been, a, he's show. been he's a past involved. guest, and uh, he's been but, involved in Medicinal My Way, I believe his name. He is, is yeah. Okay. Um, and if I uh, so follow Rob for that, and uh, just but I've been talking to Cote so much, um, I, I know that if you follow Cote on Instagram, most of his posts, and maybe his company, whatever it's called, is is uh, you know an umbrella of that, and you you will get to follow it but I, I encourage anybody who's into hockey or weed because I didn't believe it I wouldn't believe in my lifetime that this would happen Steve it was honestly when I played up there you might as well say any drug of the above if I did weed I did coke I did not, not me but you know if someone on the team if you just said you were doing drugs a lot of people looked at it all in the same umbrella right right so, didn't matter what it was didn't matter what it was now there was some people obviously that thought otherwise but yeah, you know they were just outnumbered, and there was really no one even thought to push for marijuana. We're like, you know, we get enough perks here as it is. I'm not going to start chirping my mouth as a 19 yeah. year old. Oh no, please, can I have some weed before my NHL game? But, uh, <laughs> but with Raleigh, though, it's right down to it. The first time I did it, I had all these symptoms for all these years, and you know, like I said, sometimes the anxiety it helps, sometimes it wouldn't. But I also, as an as an aging uh, you know player, I still play senior hockey. I say, I play ball hockey on a world level. The CBD, now, what if, and the CBD doesn't really get you stoned if you're doing all CBD. So, anybody who says it, I often say to people, like they're not trying to get stoned; they're being serious here. If they, if they, if they tell you they like CBD, I mean, as well as other stuff, but CBD in particular, I took that; it was magic. All of a sudden, the pain went away better than most painkillers, except my liver doesn't get all fucked up, and I don't yeah. have, have major league anxiety right after because that happens a lot with yeah. those pills too, right? Um, oh yeah, and you know I, I was clear-headed, and my anxiety went down. And I found, for me, if you can't tell people, you know I, I often ramble on and I can't get my thoughts clear fast enough. I can't get the words out fast enough. I, and mm -hmm. I often need to do like breathing exercises to bring myself back down to earth. But CD does that with two in the morning, and I'm good. And so yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people. I'm going on and on, but Riley Cote, you asked me, Riley Cote has just brought this into NHL dressing rooms, and it's a brand new thing, but finally we're going to have CBD in National Hockey League dressing rooms. Follow Riley for the rest of it. We'll have him on soon. Um, he's agreed. I just don't know when. At Riley Coyote on Twitter. And, uh, he, yeah, he's part of Athletes for Care, which is also something that Rob Fred's in, involved with. Yeah. And so he's got a couple different things going on that way. And yeah. Uh, yeah. check out Body Check Wellness is also his company. And now, Stevie, you don't booze much anymore, right? I don't at all. You're, actually, you're, you're more. Uh, uh, you're, yeah. Okay. So you're. Have, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been three years since uh, almost three years. And you know when you told in, me in that, you know at our age, someone says that, and you almost want to go, oh, God, 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 so you know, like to, you know, because often something major league happens. Someone, I don't need to know that. I just need to know your 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 mind's in a happy place. You know what I mean? Someone says, "Oh, I don't drink." Oh, like, yeah, I don't know if there was yeah. a car well, accident. I, I don't know. You know, and I, and well, I, 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 I think there's more times than not, there's going to be a, uh, some sort of big life event that really wakes you up. So you know, feel the I, need I, to try I, to elaborate I, on this. Show. No, no. Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. No, no. But, uh, but you know, I, I think it's probably a pretty rare thing that someone just, just by, you know, just, just quits because they just think, ah, maybe I'm doing a little too much. You know, like usually something has to happen. Yeah. You know, like you, you have to kind of hit the proverbial rock bottom. You know, it's, it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but but you do kind of have to get to uh, a place where, for, for me, I, I don't think I, I don't think I had a uh, w one certain event. It just the 
the the bad things that it was causing in my life started to outweigh the fun times I was having while I was drinking it. Yeah, you know, and uh, and 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 it it, it makes it, it makes things a lot harder uh, in a lot of ways. It 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 puts uh, a, a strain on on your body. Obviously, like I, when when I'm out on tour, and and I'm getting to the end of a of a six week tour where I've I've been you know basically having at least a few beers every day. Yeah. You know, because it's there, it's free, it's yeah. sitting around. Everyone else is doing it. You know, my my body is not in a in a nearly the condition it was when we started you know even though i'm playing a show every night it's i I was finding it harder to yeah a a bit harder to play you know comfortably and confidently and i was finding my mind would go to to different places where i didn't want it to go while i was while i was on stage you know and and even in my my relationships you know at at home you know it, it, uh, it was just taking taking over you know so to speak and uh i um well, it makes I'm, sense, it, man. Yeah, and and stopping stopping uh, drinking was it was, it was the, one of the best decisions I've ever made. You know, I, I'm I, I'm the happiest I've ever been, and and the one thing about it is I, I try not to be Mister Mister Preachy about it. You know, I don't want to I don't want to ever come off to anyone as a you know drinking's bad. You shouldn't do it. You know that that's how that's how I feel about for me and you know, drinking works differently with different people, you know, like my, my wife can, can have one drink a month, you know, and not feel the need to have any more than that, you know, Mm. whereas I I was at the level where if I had one beer, I was having seven, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, and then that, even that, with that, that Betty, you're getting a hangover. Maybe, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Well, I, I, well, by by the, I, I remember the last tour that I, that I did, um, uh, before quitting, uh, I just remember coming, it was a nine week tour, 10 weeks actually. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, I was getting to the end of it and I, I was just like thinking to myself, I don't really remember a time on this tour where I, I haven't been drunk or hung over. You know, I, I, I have, I didn't have any of those, those clear hours, you know, of the yeah. day. It, it, it was always recovering until I started again, you know? And, and, uh, and I, I really started to miss that, that those, those clear times, you know, and, uh, and, uh, it, yeah, it, it just, it came to what it came to. And, and yeah, I, I've been really fortunate that I, I haven't really had any crashes back into it. Uh, it, you know, I've had a few sips by accident. If I pick up, uh, like on this last tour, I was twice served which is a big no-no for servers. Let this be a lesson. If someone orders a non-alcoholic beer, you've got to bring it in the bottle and let them pour it in the glass. You know, you have to do that. Don't even I, tell I, me someone. What? Are you kidding me? I hate so, to laugh, so, yeah, but my it, God, yeah, yeah, major, No, no, I, right, no, I, I ordered, I, it, you know, it was in Green Bay the first night of the tour, last tour, I, I ordered an O'Doul's Amber, and she brought it over, and uh, like, she said, oh yeah, I hope you don't mind, they just poured it in the glass for you, the bartender. I was like, uh, okay. I, you know, and, uh, I, I had a, had a sip of it and I was like, this tastes really weird. And I was like, you know what? I just had a lifesaver, you know, maybe my palate's off or something like that. And I had like another sniff and then I was like, this is going to sound weird, but does this have booze in it? And she's like, uh, I don't think so, but let me check. 
and apparently there is they, they serve an amber called Odell's there. So the oh, server, man. So, so so the bartender read Odell's and served. You know, I only ended up having a sip, but but it's uh, but man. but it's you know you know l- luckily I'm I'm not the type of guy that it's like you know Frank the Tank. You know, once it hits your it's your tongue or whatever, you know, it, it, that is game over, you know, but mm. some people are like that, you know, and, and that could be dangerous. So anyone out there listening with the server, if anyone orders non-alcoholic drinks, you gotta, you gotta bring it in the bottle. God. Yeah. You gotta bring it in the bottle. That's amazing. Imagine, <laughs> yeah. Cause I know people that really wouldn't, yeah. One sniff of Listerine and they're back on it. Right. So yeah. Oh that's, yeah. That's yeah. Unbelievable. It's, it's a, I can't even believe that happened. Um, I know. I know. Your, your uh, Juno 2013. First of all, did you speak at the award ceremony? And second of all, where is that Juno right now? Grew, I, I, I believe uh, it, it's uh, a new group or what was it? Breakout group of the yeah, year. Bre- bre- yeah. Break. Yeah. Breakthrough group of the year. Yeah. Um, it is sitting at my, my parents right now. I gave that to my parents. Wow. It's a, uh, it, it's, you know, they're, uh, they're the biggest reason why I've been able to take this as far as I have been able to, you know, as, as you know, you know, I'm sure getting to where, you know, you got in oh, hockey uh, takes an, an incredible amount of dedication and support from your parents, right? It would never, ever have even been possible at all yeah. if it wasn't. For yeah. Them. So, and, so that, that's where, uh, that's where it resides. And, uh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't speak. I'm not really a, a speaker. I, I, I don't, I, I've never, you know, I don't say anything at shows in between songs. I don't, you know, I normally don't do many of the interviews or anything like that, but I remember Jer, Jer did the speaking and he made, he ma- he made his notes on his phone. And, uh, so there's like I, these pictures from the Junos where like we're on stage, I'm like holding the Juno and, in front of oh, everyone, no. and Jared's just like Jared's just like got the mic, and he's just looking at his phone, like. <laughs> so it looked like he's, he's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a millennial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that was um, that was the uh, actually the uh, that was the one and only time I actually met Jim Cuddy. Actually, was uh, was at the at the Junos. Well, the that, next that time year. I'm up that way, we'll have to all go out for a bite to eat. And Jim, Jim. Well, would, uh, well, 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 you know what? I, I you got to put in a good word to uh, get me invited to play in the Juno Cup. Okay, buddy, I will. Right, but yeah, first of yeah, all, you got to put in. Well, but before we go further, so you sent me a hockey jersey, so you're still skating then? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I, I'm off and on. I got a, I got a, uh, I got some some disc issues in my lower back that flare up every now and then, so. I, I, uh, I'm off and on and, and, and you know, Speaking with my travel schedule CBD. too. <laughs> oh, keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. I get a steady dose of that. Don't you worry. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm serious though, for sure. And to be honest with you, I can't believe I haven't brought this up before, but if you play every, every April, that's kind of how I got to know Jim so well. So Jim and Dave Bedini, who's been a guest on here, there's this big tournament called the summit of arts exclaim cup. And it's all like, film uh it's all industry stuff it's all creative arts right so oh cool um yeah like uh, i don't know randomly um, like, we played a team it's it's sloan you know it's not just their band it's oh their buddies yeah, and yeah. Stuff. then for a while the hip had a team and for obvious reasons now they i don't know if yeah. they all play on the same team gord was their main guy but dave bedini it's about tim thompson we had on last week he plays on that Sh- team sam roberts is a sammy sammy roberts roberts, a yeah, Montreal yeah. Sam's a team. he's a real good hockey player yeah um 
Yeah. It's all industry stuff. We send Republic of Doyle, which is not even a TV, a TV show anymore, went off the air, right. I think, in 2014 or 15, but we still send that team. You're welcome to play for us, buddy. You're welcome to play for oh, us. It'll be an excuse to I all get together. I would be honored. I tell you this, at I'd the end, and at the, or the middle day of the tournament, so the tournament, I believe, is like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, say. So Friday night, we all go to the Horseshoe, and each um, the famous bar there uh, downtown, um, and each... Um, Group gets to get up and do 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 a skit sort of thing. So um, it, it's a blast. no way. Yeah, we usually <laughs> it's, it's like an open mic from what I've heard. It's like it each, is. each team you is responsible yeah. for like a half hour of programming yeah. of the night. Is so, uh, and it doesn't just have to be music. Wait, it can be anything. Like Dave Bedini and them combined. Like they go up in the last year, for example, they had their baby blue original hockey night in Canada jackets. And they'll do a, a uh, you know, they, awesome. they always make a show of it. Dave's always, and then the year before they were Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, but you know, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a Dave Bedini Band and the Rio Statics and, and those guys. It was, it was just a bunch of their friends as well. So Dave probably had 12 people. Right. I went up with them singing Beatles songs. Um, oh, count one, me in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to love this weekend in every sense. You're going to relate to everybody there. It's like hockey fans. It's downtown Toronto. Um, you know, I've got buddies there at the, Air Canada Center, or is that is Scotiabank Center now? I mean, I, yeah, Scotiabank Arena yeah, now. I, I can't yeah. keep track we, anymore. We go down there in the dressing room. Yeah, and, future uh, Dominion. Check it out, you know. So, listen, we're, and we've been on for an hour and 15, so I suppose I will leave it there with an invite. <laughs> Unless you got something else for him, uh, Mike? No, I mean, this has been fantastic. My only question, like, I have one going yeah. back to, like, when we were talking about, like, Canadian football, but, I mean, that's not, it was mostly just, like, how has no one, like, as somebody who plays Canadian football and, and, and came up through and played and played college and stuff, how has no one killed themselves on the uprights at a Canadian football game? Like oh, the uprights man. are like yeah, right that. there at the at the at the like line, right? Like how has no one died? From that? Oh yeah, that, that that's the extra man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you could you could probably look up like a YouTube like highlight reel yeah, you, of you hits by the by the goalposts. You know, that's actually not yeah, a bad it, idea. It, I laugh, but they're, it, they're so comical. Yeah, I just well, like, and, I just and flinch any time I watch passes. CFL. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then the amount of passes that are blocked by the by the uprights too is it, it, insane. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, that was all I had. That was that was the one thing that we were like I wrote down as we were going through and never got a chance to come back to. But other than that, I'm good. Okay. Well, <laughs> listen, this has been awesome, stimulating. I, did, yeah, I just looked down and we've been out here like an hour and twenty minutes <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, Steve, I love thank it. you so much. I really appreciate it. And by the way, like I said, you got that in April, and in a year, in in, in next October. I got a friend, a bunch of NHL alumni. They're coming over here, Scotty Thornton included, a good ex-Canadian, ex-San uh, Jose Shark, ex-Leaf, ex-Oiler. Um, he's going to come over with a few friends, and we're going to go on a little excursion, maybe fishing, hunting, whatever the boys are into. Oh, yeah. Outside the city for a few days and then come back in and wind it down in St. John's, like I said. And, by the way, Scotty's a Montreal uh, or a Monster Truck fan. So oh, nice. you're more than welcome. I know you said you wanted to visit, and maybe even you can bring over your family. And if not, hopefully Monster Truck is back in the next summer either way. And I would love that. Uh, well, well, thank you well. so much for having me today, guys. It was uh, awesome chatting with you guys. Uh, Steve, it's been great. Thank you so We're much on, for taking uh, the time. Very interesting. Uh, one of my favorite uh, pods so far. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right. Cheers, guys. Hope to see you guys soon. All right. Okay. See you, buddy. See you.
Right. Penny Posh, maternity wear reimagined, breaking the barriers of style, fit, and comfort that often leave mothers-to-be uninspired in their new wardrobe. Penny Posh's designs have reinvented a clothing category often seen as disposable, temporary, and unattractive. Well, not with Penny Posh. Check it out. A continuous fit maternity collection from bump to bundle and beyond. You can check them out on Twitter at Penny underscore Posh, on Instagram at Penny Posh underscore maternity, and of course on their website www.pennyposhdesigns.com Penny Posh Designs Maternity Wear Reimagined Wow, a huge thank you to Steve that was uh, that was a great one uh, just a, a lot of fun conversation and those are always some of my favorite guests like the guys that aren't like your traditional hockey talk people totally. but can still kind of um, I could just get lost in those stories like yeah, because you know what? A lot of the we were just not expecting. Yeah. Like I, I knew so much about Steve from talking, and with every hockey player, you can sit here and fill in the blanks. First of all, a lot of them are my buddies. Yeah. Second of all, you get hockey DB or elite prospects that'll pretty yeah. much fill in every blank. You know, you know every assist this person got yeah. in their lifetime. But when it comes to musicians, it's not as easy. You can just look up the little stories from little the touring towns, whatever it might be. You yeah. can listen to their songs, but there's no way that you can just internally digest their, their their Wikipedia and then all of a sudden know everything about them like you could a hockey player for yeah the most part. I mean yeah like you said there's anecdotal stuff that kind of comes up but for the most part it's it's ho- like it's hockey so you can kind of read yeah. between the lines with the stats but yeah and, and actually it's funny enough like you said at the end of it like did I have anything to add and I asked the silly CFL question but I meant to early off, off the top ask ask him about the formation of the band and how that kind of all started and what other bands he might have played with before and all these things that we just kind of got lost in conversation and never got a chance to get to. to that. I know like I almost and I do I do at first I used to just come in and wing it but it's one thing to know information. You, you got to kind of know where to direct it. And, you know, we're, we're getting better at that, I think. I, mean, I think I, so. I write up what I can, but, um, you know, sometimes these, like, I'd known Steve, not, you know, not that long, but we've had a lot of conversations. Like, a, he only called me after spitting chiclets in the summer after yeah. I was on there. But, again, he came into the house, you yeah. know, with Dad, you know, so imagine how. Because, yeah, it wasn't that long after all that happened yeah. that Iceberg Alley was, so, and they came to town, and they did, they did like, a, a sneak a sneak preview show before Iceberg at, Alley, at, too, at right? One, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, we we talked for hours and hours and hours. Hmm. And then, like, on the way out of my dad's house, the last minute, he tells me a story about patience and Guns N' Roses. That's why I had to get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was like, what? Like, and you're just you're just throwing this in there now. Like, and I'd asked him about, you know, different experiences he had on stage and everything. And, you know, and Steve's a really humble guy, first of all. So... It's not like he came in wanting to talk about himself. He came into the basement because he wanted to see a bunch of hockey memorabilia. Yeah. And it was hard to even get a word out of him. That's why I wanted to have him on here, man, because and, he's a very humble guy and he doesn't speak about it much, right? And, and, and the thing is, is I, and we've had, a, you know, 35 guests on at the, up to this point, and yeah. uh, you always kind of learn something you don't expect. I mean... Like, you know, we've had 35 guests, but me and you have had a lot of more than 35 conversations. I never knew you were around for an archaeological discovery before that I came guess. out today. Like every now I and suppose, then yeah. you just get those like weird little things that like, oh, shit. Did I never tell you this sto- like insane yeah. story about the time I had breakfast across from Madeline Albright and Qatar? <laughs> like I never actually never- you with the twisted sister story, too, or the D. Schneider story. You know, there's always something there's always something kind of crazy. So it's it, it's kind of cool to get a chance to talk to somebody and, and have that kind of long conversation to get. <laughs> get these really cool 
bits of information out from people. And uh, hopefully everybody listening also enjoyed it. Um, what else you got on the go? What's what's happening? Any- what do I have? Oh, God, the Senior Hockey League's about to start. And um, I'm in that position. You know, I'm. It, it's a tiring time of year because I got so much on the go. Usually mm-hmm. fall is laid back everywhere else. But just I, I, I use it, you know, with the public speaking. I'm in uh, Ontario at the end of November. Mm-hmm. And I do have to come up with a new act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it helps. It helps. I'm going to the same spot. Like, it's yeah. going to be a lot of the same people. Oh, yeah, they're mostly hockey stories. And, and you know, the great thing about, and, and, and Tyler Morrison's going to be almost pitching me kind of, I go up with him. And, yeah. and we're going to do like a, a, a similar to Puck Talks, but almost, you know, we because I do some stand-up. I, I enjoy doing this. The, the the great thing about it is that a lot of people, when, when I get up there, it's, it's Q&A, and yeah. I can take it there. I still am not comfortable in a comedy club just, oh, and here's the next comedian if, if they don't know who I am and yeah, coming yeah, up and, yeah. hey, by the way, I'm a hockey player. I don't, you know, what's the deal with, you know, curved sticks, you know. I, I, well, that's just, the thing is, like, that's yeah. not that's not the type of no. of performer you are in that sense is that you're a storyteller i'm a storyteller and having the context of who you and you tell funny stories and you will make people laugh and you'll entertain well, thank them you. but it, it's in the context of like get up and do your seven minute set at the comedy club is not the type no. of thing and you i do. like people to know that going in like who i am because oh man i did a couple i'll tell you like a couple of years ago i mean i i say i don't like i've, I've done 50 at least just straight stand-up outside of public speaking hmm. but a couple of years ago like i said in toronto i used to just go and I do every Tuesday, I think, and Thursday it was maybe at, at Richmond Street Yuck Yucks there, right downtown, next mm-hmm. to where the big theaters are, <laughs> across the street. Um, right down, like right, yeah, really, yeah. really a stone's throw. Like I said, a, a par five yeah. from from <laughs> Scotiabank Center. But you know, it, it, I I would do it, and like often, you know, people would be what? Like I, I try to string something together, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say. I don't want to exaggerate and say it was all it, it was ever like crickets and someone threw someone something at me, but <laughs> there was often half the room not engaged. Yeah, but, but I mean that's any the time next you do stand week. Up, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But like, if someone knew, Dale Howard Chuck ended up hiring me out to do his uh, NHL alumni golf tournament. Right. So I did that. Now, now Mississauga Yuck Yucks heard about me and they said, "Okay, we're doing a hockey night. Do you mind coming?" Now they advertise it. Now mm-hmm. people know that they're coming to see a hockey act. Right. Yeah. I love it. Then I'll wheel. I'll go on. I'll just go in circles and you know say bring the bring the fans in, bring the people in. Mm. What do you want to hear? Ty Domi story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But if I'm just wedged in between, you know, uh, a couple of guys or girls that are stand-up comedians and just want to shoot the breeze about politics, yeah. then I'm often misused that way, and yeah. I, I say misused because I they're more adaptable to stand-up comedy. I have to be honest. Mm. Me, I'm adapted to, adaptable to storytelling. Um, if, if you want to get in a little bit of banter, fine. Mm. If you want to go Q&A, I can take it somewhere. But to just go up and, this is what I think's funny, guys. Yeah. You know, and I, I'll always, I don't want to say I'll always struggle with it because I just don't put myself in that position anymore. But um, and this one, anyway, coming up in November, I've got that. And then I got a three or four public speeches right after. Uh, I'm going to start another podcast. Um, the, the podcast, I'm, I'm not starting... I believe it's called the Hockey Podcast Network, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be um, telling some stories on there. It, it'll be, again, we started this together, and I don't want to alienate anybody or or quit one and in, in, uh, you know, for the other. Yeah, for lack of a better way to put it. But so I'm going to use a lot of the guests we've already had on here, on the other one, uh, and it's just going to be me and a guest. I think it's going to be called Tales with Terry. 
Hockey Podcast Network. Keep an eye out uh, now. And they're doing great. They've got uh, so they've they've set up. This is their first year. They're doing this really cool thing where every team has a representative podcast. That's what we're doing. Doing, yeah. doing a couple things, but Terry's you're you're obviously going to be, gonna be a the thirty third podcast. Yeah, yeah. And just talk about stories, and it's not. You know, I think the other ones have to have one or two a week. Mm-hmm. I might have one or two a month. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like I said, they asked me to do it, and I'm intrigued. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I love doing this, and yeah. they know it, and they're going to let me promote this on that show, and hopefully, one leads to more uh, listeners for the other. Yeah, um, so, so keeping everybody here uh, as you're listening, make sure to subscribe to the Hockey Podcast Network. Yes. Everything kind of goes up through their channel, so subscribe to that. And then, uh, well, uh, you know. no, no, thank you. Yeah, and uh, like I'm, I'm still extending on. You said what? What do you got on the go? <laughs> uh, Mill Street Brewery. I'm downtown, and we just did a foraging video. Ro- the Great Roger Monder. For, uh, think short film for lack of a better. You know, it's like a documentary. Mm-hmm. Just. Mm-hmm. I'm working at Mill Street. A lot of people don't realize we have a craft brewery right here that we make our own. You know, we use our own ingredients. For example, we have, like, our own seaweed in the Seaweed Gosa. There's beers now down there on tap that we use, Newfoundland mushrooms, plums, berries. Mm -hmm. So I've been working with Roger to put that out. Um, And, again, I guess some people have been writing me about Letterkenny. They said, we Mm -hmm. just got season seven. You're not in it. I know. Mm -hmm. I know I said I filmed it this summer. I'm in season eight. It'll be out. They just do, like, Letter can he shoot faster than I've ever seen it in yeah, 19, and I mean, 19 days. And and yeah, it's something I, shoot I, I've meant to mention it to you too because yeah. we were talking about it before. But uh, that's the thing is like with them, they do such quick seasons. And we were saying at the time you did it, it's like, well, it's the end of August. Like it's cracked that you're going to be on the, the yeah. season like in a couple I months. I thought at first and I was so, going to. I think it's going to be January, February. Yeah, and they but they also do like they do Christmas specials and all this kind of stuff. So it's just keep an eye out at some point here. It's keep an show eye out. The best Letter thing Kenny, I can yeah. say is to follow me. <laughs> On Instagram, Twitter, mm. Facebook, and then you'll get an idea. Because honestly, asking me what I got on the go, <laughs> I'm probably forgetting some stuff now, you know. And uh, uh, my, I, I should mention uh, for people that want to follow junior hockey, my stepson. Well, he's not really my stepson. You know my story. Yeah. BJ Young was my buddy, died in a car accident. I raised his son Tyson. Well, Tyson plays out in St. Paul um, for the Junior B Canadians. And... Uh, I know a lot of people in Alberta, actually, that know that I raised Tyson and ask me often where he's playing, and I forget to tell them. But that's where he is. Uh, he's This is his second year. Uh, I believe he's roofing. He's got a new truck. He's doing well. Tyson's 20 now. He'll be 21 in March. Man. And, uh, yeah, he's doing fine. And the games are online and everything. So, you know, if anybody is interested, a lot of people, he grew, he grew up here. He, he didn't leave here till. After, you know, it was only a year or two ago. Yeah, right? it was only yeah. only a couple of years ago. So he played midget all the way up and a lot of his buddies. Every time I see him, you know, they ask. So there's that update. Um, and uh, my wife got Penny Posh. A lot of people ask me about that. That's uh, yeah. Penny Posh clothing. Which you heard, uh, uh, you would have heard the ad for that in between the interview and this you are right. segment. Yeah, you are right. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I, that's where my head is, man. I'm exhausted. I'm well, exhausted. That's what I got on the go. We don't play the... We don't always play the ads as in the room. It's something I usually throw in after. So, um, you know, you didn't and you're good me. at it. Oh, yeah. aw, thanks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you got a lot on the go, so maybe I'll let you go take care of some of that. Because I oh, got, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, uh, if you, I'm not sure when this episode's going to come up. If it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, but it's Halloween week, and as you mentioned, uh, I do horror movie things, and so because of that, I've been super busy. I'm actually hosting an event on Wednesday night called a Nightmare on George Street. That's at um, the Black Sheep on George Street. Used Where, to be the is it? Fat Cat Wednesday night. 
I will try. And it's all local authors. It's for Wannell, uh, the Writers Alliance in Newfoundland and Labrador. And hey, we, I'm a part of that. Yeah, uh, I not am Not that too. I'm going to be that night. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not suggesting like I would to Damien Fowler. Hey, let me sing a song. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, what we did, what I we forgot. what we actually did is I we, be on we the had paint in the background. We had twelve. Uh, we we opened it up for submissions. Uh, twelve local authors submitted uh, short, scary stories that they wrote. Uh, six of those got shortlisted. I've been all week filming with those authors, so we filmed Beautiful. them in the basement of the Arts and Cultural Center Library, the AC Hunter Library. Yeah. We filmed them all down there reading their stories. Um, and so uh, on Wednesday night, six of those are going to screen so that they have copies of their stories then uh, in the future they can wow. promote online. And then while the audience is going to vote for their favorite scary story and while those votes are being tallied, I'm reading a, an original short that I wrote. Um, Beautiful. That, uh, yeah, so that's going to happen Wednesday night. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I've been super busy trying to cut together where all these I, videos. Where do you see this stuff? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not saying that I would ever, ever finish in the top six, but I, I like those little tasks. You, you, I get anxiety. Yeah. I, I like, like, okay, that's why often people go, oh, you, you wrote a short movie. Mm. I, I wrote it because I was, I couldn't sleep. I was mm. going out of my mind. I just, so, like, where would people go? Well, with, with that one, it just it was promoted online, so it was exclusive to Wano members. So you would have been able to to, to submit if yeah, you I was had wanted. Just lazy. Okay, but uh, it's on. But you know, through Facebook, <laughs> through whatever. But there's lots of stuff like that. Like uh, the Nickel Independent Film Festival does a bunch of 48 hour challenges. So they just did a horror movie challenge a couple weeks ago. I know ago. Justin there's Foley's one, always into those. Right? Um, yeah, he's got those there's on the stuff go. in and they do a rom com one in February. Wano will do another rom com one um, around side. Like basically, Wano and uh, the Nickel do either short film or short story content around the same time um, that are just like kind of promoting flash fiction so there's a bunch of chances to get well, out do that sort of stuff well I shall see you there next year yeah well yeah do it but in the meantime literally come I out. think I'm going to sleep until next year if anybody honestly. if anybody is listening and this goes up before uh, 7 o'clock Wednesday night come by the Black Sheep on George Street used to be the Fat Cat you can come there and listen to some great lo new local stories scary stories Okay. Perfect way to get in, in the mood for Halloween, but that's what, I, what I've been tying up all my time with all week. I was okay. actually there today. We had the the last uh, the last writer, uh, the last author wasn't wasn't able to make it last week when we did the rest. So I shot the last one of those this afternoon. So trying to get them all done in time to uh, screen Wednesday night. Well, good luck with that. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> Hopefully, see you there. Yeah, uh, but until then, I guess we'll go so that we can both take care of all the things that we're doing. Chuck will be back next week, probably, unless he, you know, gets lost in a strip back of a strip club in Montreal, uh, which I don't think he's gonna do. But you know, we never know. Uh, <laughs> Those are the ones you got to worry about. <laughs> but in the meantime, until then, you can find me at Hickey Comma Mike. Terry Ryan 20 on Twitter, Terry Ryan 2020 on Instagram. Uh, and we're at 3MI Podcast. And uh, you can find all of our stuff at 3MIPodcast.com and shop and do a bunch of stuff. But until next week, uh, have a good one. And we'll be back then to shout out to you about hockey. Talk to you soon. Why do you hang around with the worst crowd, the worst crowd, the worst crowd?